Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. And welcome to episode two of the Hooked On podcast with me, Rob McNichol, and Paul Benson. Paul, did you miss me? Rob, over Christmas, I missed you incessantly. I had my family, my friends, and all my loved ones around me, but all I could think about was Rob McNichol and the podcast. Right, well, you're a massive liar, but well, the, reason, <laughs> the reason I have said that is that uh, I just want to let everyone know that we are recording this uh, Sunday night, January the 1st. Happy New Year, everyone, by the way. I should have said that uh, earlier on. Um, me and Paul have just finished watching Sherlock. Not together, but like I should point out, we're about 400, well, 300 miles apart, but we've both been watching Sherlock and uh, just having a little chit-chat about that just before we uh, we came on. There will be lots of fans of both Wrestling and Sherlock listening to this podcast. We won't say any spoilers. Well, we might, but I'll edit them out. But So there'll be no spoilers in this podcast before you get all panicky. But um, we were just talking, weren't we? There's a, there's a few little parallels, a few little wrestling parallels is what we were just talking about. I'm starting to wonder whether all 11 episodes of Sherlock so far are some elaborate set of vignettes for another Chris Jericho return at some point. <laughs> save me. Save me. Well, I think save me at some, or save someone was mentioned at some point tonight. And I just thought, if that little boy in the classroom looking at that creepy girl out of the window was in there bouncing a ball around. I thought that would have fit quite nicely, actually, from the old uh, Jericho. Yes, well, so. it's funny how you mentioned it. Yeah, so the end of last series, you remember those Moriarty videos? Yeah. And, uh, when he's on the plane, that was basically... Of course I remember. That was, that was a Jericho. Why I said, that's why I said, did you miss me, clown? <laughs> you're, you're, you're a step ahead of me, mate. Yeah. You're a step ahead of me. Yes. Well, they were a bit similar, weren't they? So, um, that's uh, obviously, Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss, huge, huge WWE marks. Um, from various different times. Um, we will get into that. We might have a little bit of a chat about Sherlock later on, because I think it's a fascinating subject. But if you don't know who we are, if this is the first time you're listening to this, um, Paul and I are from a company called Hooked on Wrestling, Hooked on Events. Um, we've done all sorts of stuff in wrestling as the years have gone on. But right now, what we're about are big wrestling parties, the likes of which you have not seen, unless you've been to one, of course. They really are. Uh, oh, obviously, we're saying this. But uh, they're kind of taking over the world, taking over the UK at least. And uh, Paul, just let us know where people can watch the Royal Rumble under the Hooked on Events banner. Sure. So we're doing um, six events this time out for the Royal Rumble on January the 29th, which I think is the most or certainly tying with the most we've ever done before. So we're doing um, London, which is our kind of flagship party at Walkabout Temple right on the Thames. Uh, And then we're doing Shooter Sports Bars, uh, which are in my opinion, the best sports bars outside the capital. And we're doing those in Liverpool, Leeds, Cardiff, Manchester, and the newly opened Birmingham venue on Broad Street, right in the city centre. Fantastic. Excellent places to uh, to come along and watch the Royal Rumble. We are very experienced in this now over different, various different pay-per-views over the years. We've been putting these shows on all over the country. As Paul says, um, you'll often find 
me and him at the uh, at the London one, which is a bit of our our flagship, and it's on going incredibly. It's the fastest we've ever been selling tickets. So uh, if you are interested in, in getting your tickets, Paul is going to tell you in just a second how you can go about it. But we want to quickly say this is not an, a complete advert podcast. We're going to be talking some some Royal Rumble things as we go. With, we've had some changes in the landscape since we last came to you, so we'll uh, discuss some of our newish predictions. Um, for the Royal Rumble. We'll also be talking about mystery entrance. It's always fun to speculate on some mystery entrance. So with absolutely no, um, well, no spoilers because we don't know any, but also no inside info. We'll have a little chat about some things like that. And we'll also be bringing to you how, how came to be in terms of how these wrestling parties came around because it was almost by chance um, that we started doing these um, wrestling parties many years ago now. And we're still going and we're stronger than ever. So we're going to give you that story because really only Paul and I can tell you that. And uh, we're going to be doing so later on. But if people do want to come to the uh, Royal Rumble parties, January the 29th, uh, how can they buy tickets, Paul? Really simply, Rob. So the best way to do it is getting on to ringsideworld.co.uk, searching for Hooked On. If you do that, if you search for Hooked On, you'll see the full list of all our events on there ready to purchase. Um, Alternatively, for shooters, you can call Shooters Direct on 0845-533-000. Sorry, I'll start that again. You can edit this bit, Rob. No, I won't. Carry on. Okay, right, fine. So shooters calling in at 0845-5333-000. You can call them direct, get entry, and you can reserve seating as well. Um, As Rob mentioned earlier, the tickets for our London event have sold so fast that all the reserve seating in the London venue has already been sold out, which is way ahead of what we've sold these things before at. Um, And also... Uh, on the same note, we sell these early bird tickets, these early bird packages, which normally run for a month before, sell up to a month before the event. Um, they all sold out two weeks before the uh, the point we were going to take them off sale, which has never ever happened before, even for WrestleMania. So this is going to be, you know, comfortably our biggest party yet. It will be, and um, I'll just say that. Um... I won't edit out the, the, the little slip of um, you, know, you said about the phone <laughs> number. Um, but what I will do is I'll, I'll cut to the crowd. That's what, that's what they that's always used to do on the old uh, tape show. So we'll just, we uh, I'll cut to the crowd on the podcast. Um, can I just say, um, also, you can follow us on social media and get lots and lots more information to save us banging on for a whole hour in the podcast. Um, if all the information you need uh, on our Facebook page, which is um, Paul. Uh, Facebook page is uh, facebook.com forward slash hooked on wrestling. And Twitter page, Paul. Twitter being HO underscore wrestling. There you go. And, uh, I would also say thank you to so many of you that we've got so many new followers over the last few weeks and months as uh, anticipation starts to build for, for the rumble and for the parties and stuff. But I will urge everyone to make sure you read everything that we put up there, not just because it's entertaining, but it is, but also plenty of info on there. For example, when we put something on Facebook this week, which explained about the seating uh, and explained about other things and explained about the fact that when we ran WrestleMania, we sold out and we were very proud that we sold out. But we tried to put in 750, 800 bodies into one bar. And frankly, it was too many. So we've made the decision. And this is genuine. We've made the decision to downsize, not because we won't sell out, because trust me, we will. But we're going to downgrade to 550 people because it will give a far, far better experience for those that were there because it was just too busy you couldn't move yep. you couldn't get to the bar it was ludicrous so we've learned from that and we've downgraded it one person immediately it seemed or the first <laughs> comment on the facebook said 
oh, but it was too busy last time, I might not bother. And then we had to say, well, if you just read what we just put, then we would have explained it. I'm not having a go at that person because they might have been having a bit of a stressy day and didn't read something properly, and it's the way it goes. We love you for that following us, and I'm not picking on you. But sometimes, oh my goodness, just read the thing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's why my one little moan out of the way, and that it really is out of the way because if you haven't listened to uh, any of my stuff before i used to do a podcast called the one-sided ring and um, we used to run uh, a magazine called hooked on wrestling which was available digitally and all of those things um it's really at my urging and also the people that have worked with us patrick lennon dan ferdinand and paul who's you're listening to now we love wrestling we love wwe and we like to be positive and we've always said it's wrestling enjoy it that is our mantra and i want to take you back to uh, I've, I've got, I can't quite remember the year. I should have done a bit of research about this, but it's about six or seven years ago. Um, and the TNA tours were on and TNA tours used to be in January. Um, and they used to go across the country and a few of us decided, let's see how many we can do. Now we were involved, weren't we, Paul? Paul used to, oh, you explain what you used to do in TNA. I know you mentioned it last week, but do a condensed version. Yeah, so Tristan, last time I basically spent five years um, working for a sports agency, um, and amongst our client base and probably our sort of most prominent client really was TNA Wrestling. Um, what I did for them is I brokered the international broadcast deals for them outside the US. So although I didn't have a direct hand in all of them, me and my company worked on the, the deal to bring it to Challenge, for instance, and to take it to India and um, Australia and South Africa and everything like that. So that's how I was quite intimately involved with TNA for a number of years. Indeed. Oh, sorry, and then quite abruptly, I thought you were going to talk for longer, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, it was very good, very concise. Um, so Paul used to work with TNA on that front. Um, I used to, uh, at the time, would have been uh, the lead wrestling writer for The Sun, and I took over from a guy called Simon Rothstein, uh, who at that time was working as a publicist for TNA. And there were various others of us in what we uh, sort of used to mockingly refer to ourselves as the uh, the UK wrestling mafia. And um, <laughs> we decided, let's, let's see how many of the shows that we can do. And now not everyone did every show. I think actually I might have been the only person that did do every show. But lots of people did more than one. So um, I think that year it was Glasgow, Nottingham, Manchester, London, perhaps something like that. That's right, yeah, that's right. And I missed Glasgow and then joined you guys at Nottingham. You came to Nottingham and did the last three. There were certainly a few people that did Nottingham and Manchester. And there was someone that did Glasgow and then London a few days later. Some were Manchester and London. We had lots of people that did a couple. And you know what? They were immense fun. Not just for the fact that the shows were good, because whatever people say about TNA... Their UK tours were UK tours were almost always superb. Um, we were looked after very nicely by the company as well, um, and it was just immense fun to be out with your friends and watching wrestling and travelling around the country. And they were, let's face it, a little bit boozy, um, but we were also working and doing our job, and it was a bit of networking and all those kind of good things that came together. And they were special experiences, which we actually will probably never quite get back again, which is a shame in many ways. But you know, life moves on. Uh, anyway, the reason I'm talking about TNA, why am I talking about TNA when this is a Royal Rumble podcast? Anyway, it almost always used to be that the Saturday night, the last show of the tour uh, was in London, and then the following Sunday was usually Royal Rumble Sunday. didn't always fall, but for a couple of significant years, it did. So we were in, so picture the scene, we're in London, it's Sunday, I don't live in London, I live in Devon, Paul um, lives up in Yorkshire, but uh, used to work in London quite a bit. So we're all in London, it's a weekend, it's Royal Rumble Day. Where are we going to watch it? So um, some of you will be familiar with uh, Joel Ross from JK and Joel from the old Radio One days. He's now uh, on uh, Joel and Norna on Hart Northwest of a, of a weekday morning. Um, 
Joel and his uh, flatmate Vic, who you will sometimes see at our uh, uh, London parties, he's the, he's the glue that holds us all together. Joel and Vic were sharing a flat in Camden. Me and Paul were around. Was your mate Tommy was about as well, wasn't he? He was for one of the years, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, Tom- I think, no, 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 two. Two. Do you think? Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm discrediting two. him there too. Okay, Tommy from Australia. Tommy from Australia. Hi, Tommy. Um, that was a kind of a little core of us that were around. Where are we going to watch the Rumble? We decided we'd watch it at Joel and Vic's flat in Camden. That's all good. Vic would do one of his curries. I'll serve it about half seven, he said. About quarter past <laughs> ten, we sat there and ate it. It was quarter ten a.m. the next but, day. Yeah, but, it was, but it was very, very nice. Um, Vic Ramsangar, the rated F curry chef. But it was, um, it was absolutely excellent. But we decided, well, everyone else decided, let's dress up. Let's do a little bit of a, a fancy dress sort of routine. Oh, actually, I'm going to give you a right of reply to this, but I'm going to suggest that everyone else decided that we would dress up and I wasn't consulted. Is that fair, Paul? Fair. Absolutely fair. Uh, I think, you know, it was probably the right decision as well, Rob. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, but I, I think I basically thought everyone else was joking. So um, I didn't have a costume. I'd been on the road for five days and was, you know, travelling reasonably light and didn't have a lot of stuff with me. And then we get to the flat and there's, uh, there's Paul with a kilt and a wig <laughs> and uh, which is fairly normal for my travel uh, which was weird because he would come as Kamala <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, Paul was uh, Roddy Piper and I thought oh that's why he's brought a kit but no one else is going to do anything and then uh, Vic emerged with dark glasses and a blonde wig and a beanie hat and an Edge shirt uh, he was Edge if you were not keeping up at home I'm not going to do all the work for you um, and then Joel emerged wearing a, a sort of kimono white kimono thing and having drawn on his chest with felt pen and he was hakushi and uh did you you lent your shano mac did you have a shano mac someone had a shano mac someone had one it wasn't mine i think it might have been vix and so even tommy who's over and doesn't know anything about it has got a shano mac shirt on so apparently we actually did do a proper dress up for uh for the royal rumble despite the fact that we were in a flat um, and keeping ourselves to ourselves. I delved into my bag of tricks and found that I had quite a lot of TNA stuff in my bag, i.e. Uh, a, a polo shirt and a scarf and a belt buckle for some weird reason. Um, but I popped all that on and held up my little business card, which said Simon Rothstein on it, and that was my dress-up for the year. I was Simon, the TNA publicist, um, who had to be a good mate of all of us. So I got widely derided for uh, for that but i remember it being a really good night and i know people are saying why are you talking about some night you and your mates had there will be relevance you will see shortly but we really did have a giggle that night didn't we oh it's fantastic when i i personally never done anything like that since well since i was at college since i was at uni which you know back when i remember watching royal rumble 2002 with my buddy keith and you know 10 12 of us crammed around a table and uh, that had obviously gone by the wayside as I got older, wiser, married, more professional. And um, so to bring that back was just, yeah, it was great. It was like a kid in a sweet shop. It was fun. And we were, f- frankly, knackered. Uh, <laughs> the week. It really wasn't a very boozy night, that one. We were quite, uh, quite sedate. Because quite steady, been, weren't we? We'd been at it for a few days. So it was a nice little wind down and watching some wrestling with your mates. I think we did some sort of little... Um, little uh, draw did we i think we did we drew out some numbers each and put some put some money in the middle and a little sweepstake on the rumble itself anyway just a grand old time let's fast forward a year we decided to do the same again i was clued in this time about the uh, about the dress up you believe and this time, didn't you? i did believe you and because we'd done it before and i was there and so when we did it again uh, i truly believed that i'd got a great dress up so i actually had a a white shirt and a nice um, smart pair of trousers with me and I ventured out into London on that Sunday, 
and I bought myself a pair of braces and I bought myself um, a little uh, briefcase. It was pink and I got it from Hamley's, but it was, it's not the point. I was joining in and some nice little glasses and I was IRS and I was extremely happy with my dress up. I thought I'd done a very good job and then I saw everyone else. Um, <laughs> do you want to explain what you are or shall I do it? Well, I'll do it. And the reason I'll do it is because I want to give a little shout out to my wife who's actually sat next to me. And she painstakingly... No, 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 no. That doesn't count as a shout out. Hi, Sal, if you can hear me. I don't know if you can. but She'll um... hear when she listens to this. She's an avid listener of, oh. of our podcast. But when I came to her with this idea, I said, sweetheart, I'm going down to London with five mates and I'm going to dress up as a wrestler from the 1980s. Not being a wrestling fan herself, she gave me the blankest of blank looks. To her eternal credit, once I showed her the picture, she went, above above and beyond the call of duty to make sure that the costume I put together, which I'd have candidly and half arsed done it myself, it was absolutely first rate. Was that fair, Sarah? Is that oh, blowing my trumpet? No, it was, well, you're not blowing yours. Well, it's Sally's trumpet. House, but um, it really, it was absolutely brilliant. No, but you, you embodied the character. I'm going to have to say, I'll tell them who they were, who you were. Paul was the big boss man. And <laughs> it was like the man who'd grown up in Cobb County and it just embodied Ray Trailer for, for that day, the uh, late departed and sadly missed Ray Trailer. Um, Paul was absolutely excellent as the boss man. Um, Joel was rocket era Shawn Michaels. Vic was Carlito. <laughs> and Tommy, who actually did at the time have a v- reasonable resemblance to CM Punk, was CM Punk. Um, An outstanding outstanding all it, costume. Well, yeah, his costume was a CM Punk shirt and that was it. Um, but he was no, still the no, best. He had the wrist tapes, he had the shorts, he, he went to town. Yeah, oh, he did have the tape. Yeah, no, oh, he I... did. He, it was it was fantastic, and we should probably put a photo of this on our page when this drops. Well, yeah, we could put a photo, couldn't we? I think well, we should. I think we should. Or we could, um, or we could link to the video. Oh, should we do that? that? Still exist? Must do. It's on your it's on your YouTube, isn't it? Then we'll link to the video. Okay. And what I will say, sh- shamefully, I no longer need the pillow that I used that day. <laughs> stuffed up the shirt yeah um well if you're wondering what we're referring to we decided this this one was a little bit more boozy than the first one and we decided that we would sit in front of uh, a television we managed to put the uh, royal rumble logo and music on a television and then we got the old camper out and we cut promos saying how we were all going to win the royal rumble and dare i say i think we did quite a good job but we'll uh, we'll let everyone else judge that so we'll at some point between now and the rumble it might not be immediately but at some point um, we'll stick up our stupid video about uh, uh, us trying to win the Royal Rumble. I remember that the Rumble that year was in St. Louis. So if anyone knows where the, uh, if anyone can remember their years better than me, that um, I remember ma- mentioning tonight in St. Louis at the top of my promo. So good memory. All uh, I remember is the forty-man Rumble that year, wasn't it? That's the only thing I remember from it. Oh, was that that one? Was it? I wasn't sure of that. I know that one of those was one of the ones when we were in the flat. But the point is, is we actually ventured out that night. We we had our stupid lunatic costumes on. And we drifted out. So we wandered up the Kentish Town Road and we went for one or two drinks in a couple of nice bars. I think we went to the uh, the Abbey Tavern and Annie's Bar, as it goes. I'm quite familiar with the Kentish Town Road. And we went into a couple... Other, of... other bars in Camden are available. Yeah, but they're not as good. <laughs> Actually, Quinn's is. Quinn's is a great bar. But um, we uh, we did a few bars up there and then we went back in and we all discussed how... Actually, people weren't sort of paying as much attention to us as we thought they might. They thought we'd... we thought they'll be, you know, intrigued and you know, weirded out a little bit by these uh, blokes all dressed as wrestlers. And then we realised we were basically in Camden 
and actually not only can people see those kind of things of their hallucinogenic um you know materials that they may imbibe but also people dress like wallies in camden all the time anyway so we actually just kind of fit in reasonably well but um we went back we watched the rumble we made our videos we had a few drinks we had another late curry um but again we had a really great time Let's forward forward on one more year. We'll try and cut to the chase here because I. This, this is the money shot, guys. This is the one. This is the money one. So it got to around about December, maybe even hmm. slightly into January, about this sort of time. Yeah. Rumble being late January, and we went, you guys. Actually, that's probably a strange thing to say because it was probably just me and Paul on the phone. If I'd have said you guys, he'd have been freaked out. But I went, Paul, what are we going to do for the Rumble this year? Because. I think Vic had, Vic had moved back with his parents briefly, I think, before he moved back out again. Joel, yeah, the, the dynamic duo had split. Yeah, there was no flat. Joel had moved up to Manchester, um, uh, I think, by that point. Vic was living somewhere else, and it was like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? And then Paul had an idea, which I laughed at, told him he was an idiot and would never be able to do. <laughs> well, actually, my first idea, if you remember, um, that got shot down in flames very quickly. I was going to get us... And we were all going to chip in to rent a luxury, luxury, luxury London flat on the Thames for the night. Um, and you can, you can rent these things per night. And, they, you know, you're talking pads out of love, actually, and really, really swanky high and stuff. And if you're chipping between eight and nine of you, it's not an outrageous amount of money. The sticking point was, at this point, there was no such thing as the WWE network. None of them, although they all came equipped with Sky or TV or whatever, none of them had the facilities for Skybox office. So we were scuppered. That wasn't wasn't going to happen, was it, Rob? And also, quite frankly, um, and I, everyone that I'm thinking of here and that you're thinking of here, I genuinely love them dearly and they're good pals and whatever, but you know our mates and there was bound to have been at least two or three of them who would have gone, oh, shit, I can't make it. And that would have been all of us chipping in an extra 80 quid or something. True, so, true. So um, that wouldn't have worked. But anyway, what did we do, Paul? So I remember vividly, I was sat in the tube station at Blackfriars and I rang you and I said, Rob, we're going to rent a bar. We're going to rent a bar um, and we're going to get them to put the Royal Rumble on. Uh, at the time, you know, I'm sure there was people doing this around the country, but I'd certainly never seen it. Um, I said, we're going to get, we're going to find a bar. We're going to get them in London. We're going to watch it. Even if we were the only people in there, we're going to do this. And yeah, your response was, um, okay, mate. Well, I, I remember thinking it was a really, really good idea, but it was a good idea that we needed several months to execute. <laughs> this was something like the 9th of January and the rumble was about three weeks away. Yeah. And you were proposing right. renting and promoting and putting together some sort of evening. Cause we decided we weren't going to just do, if we were going to do it, it wasn't going to be, we'll stick the rumble on a few tellies and that's it. You know, cause the bar can do that. They don't need us for that. Yeah. Um, we decided we'd make it into some sort of night. I seem to recall, I mean, it's a bit fuzzy cause it was a few years ago, but I think, I think I tried to talk you into doing it for WrestleMania. I think I said, you know, a bit late for the Rumble. We'll just have to watch it in our own houses, but we'll do this for Mania. I think that's what I suggested. And you went, no, no, because you're pig-headed and, you know, decide, you decided you're going to do it. But actually, on this occasion, uh, you came through and it was a jolly old success. Well, yeah, it, it kind of was. And you're right, I'm pig-headed and stubborn. And I feel like things, if, if you're going to do something, you might as well get it done. And... Yeah, I rang around a few bars, um, most of which just sort of gave me the blank stare, uh, as it were, over the phone. But then we came across a chap called Russ, who was the manager of um, the Shepherd's Bush. Um, oh, no, my word. What was it called? Belushi. We Belushi. Belushi. Belushi is terrible, that. Um, Belushi and Shepherd's Bush. Um, and Russ said to me, look, mate, you know, I've got no faith in this idea whatsoever. Um, 
But having said that, we're not doing anything else. So if you're willing to stump up the costs of my bar staff for the extra period after, you know, I think they closed at 12 or 1 or whatever it was that night. If you can chip in the extra cost for that, chip in the cost for the license, the security and the pay-per-view itself. If you do that, I'm game. Me being Mr. Optimistic, I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Let's do it. And we did. We did. And remarkably... Quite a lot of people turned up. I think we had about I don't a hundred or so, hundred and twenty. It was it was sixty eight paid, mate. Um, and I can't remember, to be honest, how we promoted it at that early stage because well, we weren't selling tickets in advance. We were just taking money off people as we go around the bar. I think we put it on Facebook and various forums and whatnot. Um, but it certainly wasn't anything with any strategy or organisation. And yeah, we had about yeah, just 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 shy of seventy people turning up. Well, that was paid, but we had quite a lot of people. You know, yeah, we, we had a lot of our friends that, that came and, along and stuff. So it yeah. made it into, a, into an atmosphere. I, I remember one of the things that we did with, in terms of promotions that, um, I mentioned it earlier on in the show. But those that don't know that we did a, a magazine on online or an app-based magazine briefly called Hooked on Wrestling, um, and that was right at the start of our project, and we were just getting that going, and we had it out there. So that's why, you know, the Hooked on name is, is attached to all of these things because that's how we started it. It was Hooked on Wrestling presents the Royal Rumble, but we did it in association with WrestleTalk which was going at the time, which mm. Paul had quite a big hand in getting on challenge. Uh, and we knew the whole crew. Didn't we? Basically everyone that worked on wrestling. Yeah. Either yeah, saw, yeah. If, you know, if you saw them on the screen or they were backstage, either Paul knows them, I know them, or we both know them. And frankly, most of them we both know. Quite a lot of them still come along to the, um, to the, all the parties these days. So I mean, you, you'll almost certainly find a good half dozen of people um, that worked on the old wrestle talk show oh, yeah, challenge and, well, and are still involved in the project. Yeah, and at this point, I just I just want to say a big thank you and hello to Sam Ibrahim, who was the editor for WrestleTalk, all throughout its run on Challenge. And he's the guy, the genius, who creates all the posters for our parties, which I truly believe are one of the big points in getting everyone engaged. They're absolutely fantastic, brilliant designer. Um, and I just wanted to say cheers, Sam. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I would also like to um, say thank you and maybe apologise to him because I think there was one time when we stayed at we used to stay at Belushi's we didn't used to do the show at Belushi's and then go back to someone's house we didn't used to go back to a nice four-star Sheraton or something that was knocking around we <laughs> stayed out at Belushi's and if you're not familiar with Belushi's they are essentially uh, Australian hostels aren't they they're there for backpackers or travelers and stuff. yeah exactly it happens to be in Shepherd's Bush which is not exactly in the bush of Australia um but it is an old-fashioned hostel so we would get given a room which was a, as a thank you um, from the staff for uh, the fact that I think we didn't we wasn't the Royal Rumble in that building the um, the third highest bar take they had that year after Australia Day and something on New Year's Eve or something ludicrous like that. It, uh, correct. At that, uh, at that point, we hadn't broken the record. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was the third highest. It was something ludicrous like that for uh, for Belushi. But anyway, we used to stay in the uh, the old hostel. And I think in the four prison style bunk beds that we had, I think somehow five of us ended up in that room. <laughs> and when I ended up, right. and when I ended up in there, all four beds had gone, and I think I went Sam out. <laughs> I think I think that's true. I'm not certain, but it was, you know, half past four in the morning, and I was worse for wear, and I'd been hosting, and my voice was sore, and I was a bit pissed, and I went no. Nope. Nope, I'm having a bed, and I think I moved him, and I think he slept on the floor. But uh, he P- took it like pulling a rank, pulling rank, Rob. Yeah, I mean, um, let's face it, I was right too, but I still, <laughs> <laughs> but I can still feel bad. And the thing is, anyone listening to this is going to go, "Oh, that's really harsh." But what makes it even funnier in my mind is that I'm fairly certain that was the year he was dressed as Jeff Hardy, so he had sort of rainbow hair and those weird, um, 
I don't even know what you call it, that sort of mesh that he had on his arms and his face totally painted. And so I couldn't tell how sad his face was as I woke him up and moved him. But uh, bless him. So I'm sorry, Sam, slash Jeff. And I think he, he did Finn Balor, didn't he, the first time we went to... Oh, he's the king. He's he... done Goldust. He's done Finn Balor. Um, I, I know exactly what he's doing for Royal Rumble this year, and it's spectacular. Excellent. Looking forward it's to that. It's not a WWE wrestler, it's, but it's one we'll all know, and I'm not going to spoil the surprise. Oh, no, no, that's not um, But it's going to go down extremely well. Well, I'm looking forward to that. But um, <laughs> it's going to go down extremely well. Is it sunny? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh sorry. Redact it. Um, uh, no. Um, but I do remember <laughs> doing Finn Balor and saying, oh, is there a room I can get changed in? <laughs> Basically, we went... No. And I asked behind the bar, and they went, not really. So he had to get in his Finn Balor costume in the toilet. So there's Sam wearing not very much, putting all his face paint on. Anyway, he came out and was fantastic. And so if you've come to some of our um, pay-per-view parties, and quite often you see someone doing a very elaborate costume, and they don't win, um, it's probably Sam, because we don't really want to have him win, because he's our mate, and it'll look like a fix. But generally speaking... He's probably in the top two or three there, and certainly a couple of times he's been the best, but we've had to go, hmm, and, uh, you know, we look after him in our own way, and he's a good lad. But anyway, it's not the Sam Ibrahim podcast. We'll get back to uh, talking about other things, even though he is ace. Um, but yeah, so that was the first one at Belushi's, and it went really nicely, really good fun. So we did it there for maybe maybe a year and a bit, two years? I think it might have been longer than that, mate, to be honest. Um... I thought we might have done two full years and then... It could have been, yeah. You're probably some. You're probably on the right yeah. lines, give or take. It doesn't matter, does it? But yeah, yeah, something like that. And it just, it just, it was so fun. And it doesn't, it didn't, it wasn't massively different from how it is now. So the quiz was in there, the fancy dress was in there, some wrestling tunes. Um, we didn't have um someone that's a very, very big part of our parties these days, which is uh, DJ Stevie, who does all the tunes these days. Back then, I think me and you used to put together a little couple of cds or something and whack them yeah on. well yeah me you or vic and and, and steve, actually steve the, the way steve got officially involved was it was actually one i missed because uh, my son was born the week before or no sorry tell her that he was due to be born so i couldn't risk being away from home to come down to london because my wife could have gone into labor at any point well i missed that um, i missed that one as well did you miss that right well what happened yeah. is because anyone who went to our parties at belushi will know they were very game and nice gen, you know, genuinely decent hosts but the facilities were not adequate oh it was ecw um, Oh, it was, you know, small, smallish screens, poor mics, you know, pe- you know, people who, ca- like, to be honest, I'll say if we if were still there, we wouldn't be doing this anymore no. because it just wasn't, wasn't what we wanted to do. But one particular party, um, the audio just went completely to hell. I don't know the details. I wasn't there, but it just did not work at all. And thankfully, Steve, who is a DJ extraordinaire and Vic, who is, a, you know, what he doesn't know about tech isn't worth knowing. Steve jumped in. He was a punter on the night. Um, had a pair of Batman headphones on him. I remember that. I remember being told that had a pair of Batman headphones and managed to salvage um, the whole operation, really, between the two of them. So, like, eternally grateful. And, and from that moment on, Steve's been one of our four horsemen, really. He's been one of the most important guys in our crew. And he'll be there for the Royal Rumble as well. Stay, he stay, will. Same Stevie channel, same Stevie venue. Uh, <laughs> but not necessarily the same Stevie Batman headphones. But um, uh, Steve has a brilliant thing, which is that he looks like about seven different wrestlers. So <laughs> he looks a bit like Stone Cold and he looks a bit like Gold, uh, Goldberg and he looks a bit like Gilberg and he looks a bit like Bubba Ray Dudley. Tank uh, Abbott. And he looks quite a lot like Tank Abbott, actually. Um, mainly people that have got goatees. You can see what I'm saying here. 
Um, but uh, yeah, he looks like quite a lot of them. But he is uh, a brilliant, excellent Sim- Bubba Ray, Stone Cold Dudley Berg. Um, but uh, he does a wonderful job for us. People sometimes uh, mistake him for Nakamura. Uh, no, they don't. <laughs> Uh, but um, anyway, that's a bit of a whirlwind how we got here. I mean, I'm, some of you are <laughs> suggesting we're being very self-indulgent, but I think it's important for you to know how it got, how it came round, um, because it's done with complete love. And I remember being able to stand on the stage that we have um, at, uh, at Walkabout Temple, um, which is right next to Temple Station. If we've been talking about it's in London and we've been a bit vague, it's right next to Temple Station. So um, get yourself a, a, a tube straight to Temple and it is literally next to the tube. So there's no messing around walking for miles and getting ta- taxis and Ubers and whatever um, when the actual show's on because uh, you can just uh, rock up and walk around the corner. It's dead easy to find right on the embankment. Um, but we were there last year for the Royal Rumble um, and we did basically a little bit of a a giveaway didn't we 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 we, sort of, we comped some people we comped everyone their tickets and, and that kind of thing and we did it as a uh, as a huge thank you because we were kind of overwhelmed that a couple of idiots um and a few of their mates getting together for a couple of years in camden and then not being able to do it again so hastily putting together something that 70 people came to and then more came to wrestlemania then more came to SummerSlam. And then we went to bigger venues, and then we went to two venues, and then we went to now now six venues. And we stood there and just went, this is absolutely unbelievable that there are many hundreds of people in a bar having the time of their life, watching wrestling with their mates. And we did that. Now, it doesn't, ma- doesn't mean that we sat there one day and envisaged what it was going to become. And it also doesn't mean that we we're Alan Bloody Sugar. It just means that a few people come to watch some wrestling. It's the wrestling that sells it, not us. But we do think that it's a good giggle, and it's really good fun to be able to watch it. I love watching it with you guys. I, I look forward to the pay-per-views because I get to see my mates and have a beer and chat to everyone and see some good costumes and all that kind of thing. But I remember standing on that stage feeling so proud. And I told a very condensed version of that story. I managed to condense it into about 30 seconds rather than the 30 minutes that we've just taken. But I was genuinely choked up and I never get I never get like that. And on stage, I was a bit, wow, this is you know a bit overwhelming and... Uh, it really was pretty cool. And put yourself in, in our position that, you know, several years ago you were just fans and then you were working around wrestling but just doing your job essentially. And it's really cool to interview some people and to hang around them. And, oh, I haven't forgotten, by the way, that I'm coming back to you for a, a wrestler getting you to fix his phone story in a minute. Be ready for that one. Oh, yes. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, we've got to do some pretty cool things. But I would say putting on these parties that hundreds of people come to and have great fun doing um, and we've made sure we've made mistakes. There's been some parties where we've had some complaints about one or two things, but it really has been minimal. Um, one of them was a venue issue when uh, people couldn't get in on time, and as they were queuing outside, there was a biblical thunderstorm. It was like the Undertaker's entrance mm. was happening. That was you weren't there for that one. You were at WrestleMania, but um, correct. And uh, yes, sorry, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you were. But even then, people took it brilliantly. And you know what? The, the coolest. I heard a great story the other day, um, a little while ago. It might have been on. Um, Jim Smallman's Tuesday Night Jaw podcast, which is very good. Give that a listen. Um, I think it was on there that they said that they went to a venue and it ran it ran late or there was there was some sort of issue. I don't think it was their fault. I think it was the venue's fault, but there was some sort of issue. And the venue said that they had zero complaints, like literally none, even though some of the fans were put out and had to wait outside for longer or some such thing. No one whinged about it. And they said that any other show, any other group of people would have perhaps even rightfully had a bit of a whinge and they said they just didn't and it's like do you know what there can be some annoying people online that 
say stupid things and come up with stupid theories. But you know what? On the whole, wrestling fans are really, really great people. And it's one of the, that is the best thing about the parties. It's not the quiz we do. It's not the fancy dress. It's not the pay-per-view I've been on the screens. It's not even the recorder league that is served on draft, usually. <laughs> not last time. I was very unhappy about that. But um, it was it's the people and it's the fact that there's just people having fun and watching wrestling and that comes right back to what i was saying in the first place it's wrestling enjoy it and you can enjoy it with us with hooked on wrestling hooked on events all over the country now it sounds again like a big sales pitch which it kind of is but we really want to share it with you and we want to we want to make sure that you watch it in the best way because we know that if you come and watch the royal rumble party with us you will come to wrestlemania as well unless you're going to orlando once you've come to the Hooked on Wrestling show for the Rumble, you will be back for WrestleMania. Correct. Yeah, then, you know, you see countless guys. And the one, the name that stands out for me, and there's, there's loads of people, um, but my memory's terrible, but there's a, there's a chap called Matt Barber. Um, and his name always stands out because I see the ticket list. And he has been literally there since day one. Matt came to our very first party, and he's just one of many that comes along and says, look, you know, gave you guys a shot. And it's just, he says, the greatest experience in watching wrestling. And frankly, it is because we're fans. And we know this. And I always say after all these parties, I go on Facebook, I go on Twitter, and it sounds like I'm kissing ass when I say, look, without you guys, without these people turning up, it would just be me, Rob, Vic, and Steve sat in front of a massive screen drinking beer and watching wrestling. Which, by the way, would be absolutely brilliant. Would be brilliant and has been brilliant in the past. But what makes these things so amazing and it's not even hyperbole to say, you know, I've been sat there in the past with hairs on the back of my neck standing on end, literally. Um, you know, the one that springs to mind is Brian winning at WrestleMania 30, but it was AJ coming in the Rumble last mm-hmm. year. Numerous, numerous moments. And just hearing the whole bar just go crazy. And the bit I always love is when people talk about how they came as an individual. I, I'm sorry for repeating ourselves from last time, but come as an individual, leave with friends. Um, and that is just perfect perfect sort of thing that we want to see we just, we just want people to come together and enjoy wrestling and and they do our parties it's fantastic fun totally right the last thing i will say by any sort of little uh advertising pitch before we get back onto talking some rumble stuff and telling some wrestling stories is um i mentioned earlier on our twitter and our facebook and um, particularly the facebook um, we post quite a few things up there, not just about the wrestling parties, but about general wrestling, some of our opinions and interesting other articles that we've seen. So we'll share it. And we've just done, we'll talk about this in just a second, about why we did some of our choices. But we did a little year-end awards. Now, that's not groundbreaking by any stretch. Lots of people do awards. But they are fun to chat about. So the people that are involved in our party, so the ones that host it in other venues and the few of us that do London, and we all had a little chit-chat, a little unofficial um, meeting off, on, offline. And then you know, came to a consensus and, and we put up our, our winners and people have commented and shared. And it's what I really like. It was, I saw very little, in fact, I don't think I saw any people telling us we're idiots because we picked so-and-so or other fans telling other fans that they're idiots because they didn't agree. There was just a nice little discussion going on. And that happens quite a lot on our Facebook page. And I really like that. So feel free to join in the debate, join in the fun. And also feel free, if you're listening to this and you haven't been to any of the shows, but you've, you've found us online for, for whatever reason, thank you, by the way, wherever you've come from, we do appreciate it. Um, ask other people. Go on to Hooked on Wrestling's Facebook and say to people, you know, what, what, what shows have you been to? Do you like the venue? Um, is it good value for money? What's, the, what's it all like? Ask them. Don't ask us, because we're going to tell you it's ace. But ask them, because we do have a really, really good approval rating with people. We have a really good... 
um, set of people that keep on coming back. That's always the good sign. Um, I've worked with another company called PSI Events, if you've been to any of those shows um, across the country, where we've done uh, audio, uh, evening with shows with Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Jim Ross, Chris Jericho. We also did the London Wrestling Convention um, in the summer of 2015. Um, we'd have so many people that come to shows again and again and again, and they are the best you know the best little bits of approval because if you have a pub or a restaurant or a library or whatever it might be that somewhere you enjoy going and if if the things there are good and the customer services are good and you will keep on going back and people seem to keep on coming back to our stuff so that's pretty cool and we don't want to keep on coming back to the same old thing so we will move this conversation on we're going to talk some more uh, rumble stuff um in just a second but i did say about the year-end awards paul um, let's do a couple. Let's not do all of them, but let's do. A, let's talk about a couple of the ones that we had the most discussion about because we had a WWE Wrestler of the Year, and I don't think anyone didn't say AJ Styles. I think it was quite a unanimous thing. Um, we had a, a Most Improved Wrestler of the Year, which a lot of people went for the Miz. We went for him as our uh, as our award winner. I actually argued about Goldberg and Chris Jericho from my perspective that obviously they had great years in the, in the past and they might be in their late 40s or, or whatever but to me they both had improved years for different reasons but that's another matter but let's have a little chat i want to have a quick chat with you about the um show of the year category well tell mm. them what, tell them what we went with in the end with show of the year well quite simply we went with the nxt takeover event from mania weekend in dallas yeah we did um yeah i think mainly because of the card you know, so, I, mean, I mean, obviously the show was great itself, but it's one of those ones that when you look back at the card, you just go, my goodness, it is inc- you just would not have believed that five years, even two years ago, that that card would be assembled anywhere. You know, whether it's a, a Ring of Honor show, whether it's an independent show, whether it's a, a whatever, but on a WWE card, I know it's NXT branded, but on a WWE card, that lineup was insane. I've never seen anything like it. It was, you know... The, the booking, um, the, the, the actual in anticipation of the in-ring quality, everything before that event you knew was going to be really special. And all right, NXT have got the advantage in that they've not got eight hours a week or whatever it might be to fill with content. They don't have nine match pay-per-views, in inverted commas. They have four to five matches. So they've got that advantage. But my God, I've never seen anything with such potential and quality on paper from top to bottom. And it delivered probably over delivered actually if anything it did and i think there's always a i always think there's a two-pronged debate to when it comes to pay-per-views one is that some are of the moment there are some shows that you can go back now and watch and go well that's actually not as good as i remember but because in the moment the storylines were progressing or a certain wrestler returned or whatever it might be and then in hindsight you look back and go oh, it doesn't quite stand up but that's because they were of their moment doesn't mean they're any worse or any better but some, because of the strong work, and you, you kind of don't need to watch NXT, I don't think, on a weekly basis, although you should, it's good. You don't need to watch it every week because it's a, it's an old-fashioned, slow progression of storylines, only one hour a week on the TV. They share around. It's more like watching, you know, like superstars from the old days or something, like pre-Raw, isn't it, in some ways? It's a lot slower. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot less going on, so they can be slower and more methodical. And it means that when they get to their pay-per-view matches or not pay-per-views, but, you know, big show matches. There's so much emphasis on a great story to be told in the match itself. 
you know, and the, and the, the workers are so good that you do have this thing where you can probably just go back and watch NXT shows at random and be thoroughly entertained by just a, a, a arbitrary match because it's just so good. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I randomly, well, actually, inspired by what we've been talking about this week, watched the American Alpha Revival match. That's um, not random, gym by this the way. morning. That's no, not random because no. you, you were inspired by something else. People always misuse the word random, but do carry on. No, you're right. Sorry, my mistake. In fact, I, I actually voted for that as match of the year, so I went back and watched it again. To me, it's lost absolutely nothing. Mm. Absolutely nothing. And I know the, the best bit, you know, what I can say about NXT and their shows in general is at that time, I said, Hands down, the best tag team match I've ever seen in WWE. I still believe that's true, but mere months later, when you've got the two out of three falls between Revival and DIY, mere months later, you've got one that you could say is better, on par, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever your opinion sits with. Frankly, you could argue that the two best ever WWE tag team matches have both occurred this year and both occurred on NXT TakeOver um, shows and both included the revival. I'll, I'll definitely argue that it was better. In fact, I did because when we had our, you did. we had some put some votes in. I did say the revival versus DIY, but um, it's an expression I rather like that I've adopted over the recent years is that I wouldn't go to war with you for disagreeing with me. <laughs> some, sometimes there are people that you, you'll say, oh, the best match was this. I go, no, it wasn't. But you went, it's the revival versus Alpha. And I went, yeah, okay, fair dues. And it was, I was... I can absolutely get on board with that because that was a great match. My mate Chris will tell you, hi Chris if you're listening, um, that the best match of the year was the Revival versus American Alpha from the Plymouth NXT house show that we went to in June. Thank you very much, Dave, <laughs> for uh, sorting out tickets for that one, by the way. But that was an absolutely brilliant match. And the reason that he liked it so much was he said, we're at a house show in Plymouth. There was maybe 1,500 people there. Great crowd. You know, for, for yeah, a very neglected part of the world down here in, in, uh, in the West Country. Great crowd, real good enthusiasm. Um, I think we just watched um, the Czech Republic play Croatia in the uh, European Championships. Delayed game. Um, and then we went and watched the wrestling and they had Alpha versus Revival. And Chris went, well, they're not going to change the title on a house show. And you know what? He was right. But they worked the match in such a way that he said after it finished, he went, I genuinely thought there was going to be a title change. They, was, they were so effective in telling the story and building up American Alpha that you thought they're going to win tonight. And actually they did some sort of DQ finish, but it didn't really matter that it was a screw finish because it was so good. The match was so good. And then just to, you know, be a little bit self-indulgent, the main event that night was Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura versus Austin Aries and, and uh, Austin Aries and Samoa Joe. And it was, I remember just sitting there thinking, is this actually happening in Plymouth? Like genuinely, <laughs> I was not having a pop at Plymouth, by the way, it's my, basically my hometown. But in a little forgotten place down in southwest Devon, we've got Shinsuke Nakamura, Finn Balor, a.k.a. Prince Devitt, and Austin Aries and Samoa Joe. Genuinely, probably four of the top 20 wrestlers on earth, all in the same ring at the same time in Plymouth on a house show. And it was just, this is just surreal. And it's one of the great things about NXT is that you get to do those kind of things. And ultimately, yes, the main roster is the place to be. And, and the good thing is that plenty have gone on you know, Rollins and Kevin Owens and, and whoever else have gone on to step up and be prominent players on, on, the, on the top brand. But there's still just something about getting to see NXT do its thing. And I'm really looking forward to the NXT show again the night before the Rumble. It's, it's pretty cool that they've, um, they've built it into such a staple. In, indeed, as, mu as much as anything that 
during WrestleMania weekend, they've they've moved the Hall of Fame, haven't they, to accommodate it? Yeah, yeah, they have. Yeah, it shows. Yeah, it says all you need to know about NXT. It's become such a fixture that it is now that semi-main event to to the pay-per-view itself, and 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 deservedly so. Like I was in um, I was in Dallas. I was lucky enough to be in Dallas for WrestleMania this year. My first, uh, hopefully not my last WrestleMania, but. Um, I actually had tickets for WrestleMania. My wife had agreed to come over with me. It was her birthday that weekend. Um, I won't say what birthday it was, but it sits somewhere between 39 and 41. Um, and she's not a wrestling fan, as I mentioned before, but she had agreed to come spend her 40th birthday in Dallas. In oh, Brooklyn. you gave it away. Oh, I'm sorry. I did. I'm glad I did. My, my bad. Um, as a wrestling fan. Um, so we went to WrestleMania. Um, her one and only condition was that the weekend was... WrestleMania only, as far as wrestling went. WrestleMania only. Everything else was a couple's weekend. Sights, night shopping, dinner, drinks, etc., etc. And I was 100% on board with that. Just grateful to get what I could. When we got to Dallas, um, I actually got a call from a buddy of mine at WWE offering me tickets to the NXT show on the Friday night. I was desperate to take him up on the offer. Absolutely desperate. Asked the wife, gave her the puppy dog eyes. She said no, rightfully. Um, so I had to give the tickets away. When I watched the show that night um, on the network in my hotel room, I just knew that I was watching history, really, mm-hmm. in the making. Genuinely, I thought it was you know, so, so good. I thought, Christ, if I could have been there for that. And as good as WrestleMania was as an experience, because let's face it, the card was nothing to write home about whatsoever. Probably the worst WrestleMania in 10 years. Just my luck. Um, but as the experience of being at WrestleMania and how incredible that was, I probably would have traded it in terms of quality of of the card for, for the NXT show two nights before in a heartbeat. Do you know what that story tells? It tells me two things, that story. One is that, you know, despite the fact that I give you a hard time from time to time and <laughs> give you some stick and I called you pig-headed earlier on, I stand by that, but I might be horrible to you sometimes. That story shows that you are a genuine guy, a kind husband, and a very thoughtful chap. It also tells me that Sal's probably gone to bed because you've just told the world how old she is. And so I'm guessing she's not now sat next to you anymore. But we will plough ahead with the podcast. Well done, Sherlock. Well done. <laughs> See? Oh, well. Okay. Should we do it now then? Well, actually, no, no. I want you to, um, I want you to uh, do a bit more about the year-end awards. I want you to pick uh, another one of the awards that you, you want to mention. And uh, we'll just have a quick discussion about uh, okay. why we went for them. I would say, let, let's talk about the match of the year. We mentioned it earlier. Let's talk about the match of the year. Okay. And and the reason I like this one is because, well, again, we went with AJ Styles against John Cena at SummerSlam, and I think rightly so. This was the one category where I literally listed the runners-up and what could have been. I think I must have got 12 or 15 matches down there. Has there ever been a year in WWE where I've had so many consistently great matches? Not just good, but great. Every single month on TV, on pay-per-view, on NXT, on the um, Cruiserweight Classic. Just stunning, stunning matches for 12 months. Agreed? Um, Without thinking too hard about it, yeah. Generally speaking, I think that the match quality has been really high. And here's something I'll say in, in mitigation, and I think what's, what the best thing is going to be to fall somewhere between these. But I've actually watched quite a lot of um, 1998-1999 stuff on the network over the last six months or so. I've sort of been making my way through 
raw, raw, raw pay-per-view, raw, and doing it in order. Sometimes skipping a wee bit, but generally speaking, you know, having it on in the background while I'm doing some work or you know on my PS4 or something, and just um, just sort of letting it go on. And it is undoubtedly the hottest time ever in pro wrestling. WWE is pulling ahead at this point, um, way ahead of Nitro, but Nitro is still doing good numbers. In fact, better numbers than WWE is doing today, unopposed. Um, really hot. You know, wrestling's a great product. As you know, Austin's a huge megastar worldwide. Um, WWE's doing unparalleled figures on on the Nielsen ratings. Do you know what? There's almost no good matches. Mm-hmm. You don't sit there and go, God, blimey, that was a good match. Every now and again, you get one, and actually, you forget that they exist. There are stuff. I'm going back a year or two earlier here, but things like Shawn Michaels versus Mankind at Mind Games is an absolutely sensational match, and you sort of forget about it a little bit. And there's a couple of other matches here and there that you go, bloody hell, that was a good match when you're watching it. But generally speaking, here's a main event and here's a run-in and here's a stipulation and here's a swerve and here's a whatever. And then the following night, it doesn't matter because he's changed it and actually this didn't count and he won the Rumble, but he's not wrestling at Mania. And it's like, you just go, oh, it's such a, I won't say the word, but it's such a head, you know what, that you can't sort of get yourself into, in today's you know structure of wrestling 18 years on or so, it's quite hard to go back and watch some Attitude Era stuff outside of the moment and outside of being you know a late teen like I was at the time because it's because things have changed so much. But there's no doubt that that was the hottest time. Is it because of the structure? So when people say, I miss the Attitude Era, do you miss the chaos? Do you miss the swearing? Do you miss the sexual innuendo? Or really, do you miss Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H and Mankind? And others, because maybe it was the characters, maybe in a PG era, maybe not Austin, but maybe in a PG era, those guys would have shone anyway. It's just they're so good. And today, we're, we're, we're talking about how great the matches are, but then ratings have never been so low. It's ever so, it's ever so confusing that we, we desire the Attitude Era and we desire great matches. But actually, then they don't necessarily correlate, and probably somewhere in the middle is what we're really looking for. Yeah, Rob, you know, we could fill, you know, a weekly two-hour podcast just talking about the differences between then and now. There's so many factors that go into it. But what what I'll always use to compare is kind of a food analogy because God knows we both love our food. Um, <laughs> back then, the, and I'm just talking about purely the matches. I'm not talking about anything that goes around it, which obviously made this that era such a success. The matches were fast food. They were McDonald's. Mm -hmm. You know, they were easy to consume. They were easy to find. And they were eaten up by the masses. Just, you know, you you touched on the ratings were huge back then. And it's never been more popular in the mainstream than wrestling was back then. Everybody knew, even in England, who Billy Stone Cold Steve Austin was and The Rock was and Mankind was and The Undertaker. Now, match quality wise, there ain't as many people consuming them, but we've got fillet steak. We've got fillet steak in that ring, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and we, you, you know, you can't get on, can't get it on every street corner, but it's just incredible. And going back to that match of the year thing, you know, the the, the sort of thing I always think is Dallas takeover, Zay, Sami Zayn against Shinsuke Nakamura. What a match! Absolutely blow away, absolutely blow away. But personally, it struggles to crack my top five of the year. And that's in no way uh, saying anything against the quality of the match. In probably any other year as a pro wrestling fan, that would have been solidly in my top three. Some years it would have been number one. This year it, it, it probably doesn't make the top five. And to me, that's utterly remarkable. I think I'd have had it at, um, at three um, because um, 
I mentioned earlier on that I went for Revival versus DIY as my match, but I said AJ Cena was was a very close second. I did I love that match. It was it was great. I had Nakamura Zayn I think as my number three because I I mentioned this on last last time's podcast. So I won't dwell on this again, but I told so many people how good Nakamura was that hadn't seen him. And then they had that match with Zayn, and people were won over by him probably before he even got to the ring, such as his uh, his charisma. Um, he could be the one. He could be the one with the varied enough menu, you know, that he has the he has the fast food stuff and the fillet steak on the same menu because he's he is that good. Well, I liked your analogy; it was a very good one. It's the first time I've ever really thought thought in my mind that uh, D Generation X is the equivalent of a cheeky Nando's. But, um, <laughs> but generally speaking, that the quality has been that high. And actually, we'll touch on another. Um, year-end award subject, which is that I went for WWE SummerSlam as my event of the year, um, and part of the reason was AJ versus Cena, and there were some other very good matches on there. I did mention that um, I'd like an edited highlights of WWE SummerSlam because it went on for a very long time. But if you took out a couple of matches and a couple of bits and bobs that were sort of padding it out, the fact that you had three or four really good quality matches that weren't the best match of the night which was Cena versus AJ, and you had the Brock um, Orton thing. Um, I remember watching that again at the Walkabout Temple for one of our pay-per-view parties and just loving that show, but being so tired because it was sort of, it had been a four and a half, four and three quarter hour show or whatever it was. And it just, it sort of, it, it dragged a wee bit, but it kept you going because the, the entertainment quality was that good. And because the people around you sort of kept your energy levels up. And again, it was so fun to watch it in that environment. But, are we now out of the woods in terms of the people that give it the old John Cena can't wrestle? Um, people still have forget the heel. We're not going to talk heel stuff because that's boring. Passe. No more. You know, is John Cena turning heel? But are there really any people left out there that don't think he's very good? Um, in my eyes, no. Frankly, um, there may be a few stubborn stragglers, but he's had such a great three years like in, in, in every sense, you know, for starters, his, his in-ring has never been better. And obviously that's helped by the fact that he's probably got more quality opponents to work with than he's ever had before. Um, you know, he's worked with the NXT guys, Rollins, Owens, Zane, um, styles, you know, you name it. He's worked yeah. with them all. And it's C- just fantastic. C- Cesaro, wonderful. Match Cesaro, exactly. But, and it's not been repetitive. You know, you remember the days when he's working with Orton, every pay-per-view, Batista, Wade Barrett, latterly. And it was just the same old, same old edge, big show, great matches in isolation, but just the same old thing. Couple that with the fact that he's been pushed down the card. You know, he's not, super Cena, he's not rammed down your face he's not in every main event he's not winning every month or you know you know, certainly three out of every four months like he was previously he is a guy on the roster who's portrayed as someone who was the best and is now has probably lost something he's 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 he's, he's, he's Rocky Balboa in Rocky 6 and for me that makes him so much more interesting um, and I just, I just I just can't personally fathom any criticism for current day John Cena at all in terms of booking, in-ring longevity yeah, I know I sound like I'm the greatest fan of the guy of all time, I'm, I'm really not um, and I was one of the in inverted commas haters but now I look at it and go, yeah, you know what he probably is the, the greatest WWE superstar of all time as a full package, agreed or not? Uh, I'm not going to say the greatest of all time but he's certainly in the in the conversation um, and for the record, I've never been one of the uh, one of the haters. I've always massively um, appreciated what he does, as I do 
Roman Reigns, by the way. We're not going to have that conversation today. But uh, Roman Reigns is dismissed cast. He, he would be much, much better yeah. uh, as a villain. But it's not his fault, everyone. Don't boo Reigns or don't... You can boo Reigns if you want. But don't um, slag off Roman Reigns. And his work is so... I nearly put him as the um, most improved as well because he is a far, far better performer than he was a couple of years ago. He is really good. He's just miscast. That's a conversation for another day. But I've always liked Cena. And here's the message, everyone. It's okay to change your mind. And that's life as well, but not just wrestling. But sometimes things come to you and you go, I am just, I have decided I don't like this guy. Or I have decided I do like this. And so you are allowed to change your mind. It is not a climb down if you go, do you know what? I used to think Cena was terrible, but in hindsight, maybe he's pretty good. You could even rationalize it by saying, no, I was right to say he was terrible then, but he's improved so much and he's changed and blah, blah, blah. And in terms of the super Cena, Cena winning all the time, do you know what? Heroes do win all the time. Heroes should win all the time. And then when they lose, going back to the topic at hand, the match of the year, when when Styles won, how much how much did it do for Styles? Because Cena has if Cena lost like if when people started to beat Mick Foley when he came back all the time, it didn't mean anything then. It, it didn't mean anything with Jericho for a time. They've actually got back on the horse as far as Jericho goes, including Jericho beating AJ, of course, and people whinged about that. And actually, it's actually done the wonders for for Jericho to have some credibility again. But for Styles to win that match cleanly, as I recall, there might have been some shenanigans, but I, I think it was clean because I think mm-hmm. there were matches before that where he'd needed help and it was all a little bit shady. But to my recollection, that was in a half an hour battle that Styles won ultimately reasonably clean. Clean as a whistle. And, you know, it was just magic. And now heels shouldn't win clean all the time. But then AJ isn't necessarily a heel, is he? It's this, it's this weird world of the, of the, you know, the mixed reaction. And... But anyway, I, it, it, that made AJ Styles, and we, we unanimously, I think it was unanimous, decided that AJ Styles was our WWE Wrestler of the Year. And yeah. I don't think he would have been without that match. And, and it, enormous credit goes to John Cena for helping not only to elevate Styles' year, not only to you know, give him credibility in the eyes of some WWE fans, but I suspect give him credibility in the eyes of the person that counts. And that's the guy with a V in his first name and an M in his second name and a K in the middle. Because I think ultimately it's an audience of one. And if you can impress Vince, you're there. And I think AJ Styles has won Vince over. And that's what matters. Yeah, I fully agree. And as I sort of put in the write-up, I, you know, I was around TNA for years very closely. And I was never fan of AJ Styles like everybody else was. I thought he was crisp, I thought he was technically great, but he was missing a lot of factors for me that made him a superstar. And even when he came into WWE, not top tier, although vastly improved by his New Japan um, work, vastly improved. But then, you know, as he was doing his face run, great matches, great moments, etc. But it wasn't until he tussled with Cena that it became... A, he became credible, but B, he just became so utterly entertaining. Um, and what I, I can't remember is you, I said it to Rob a few weeks ago, somebody else, but um, you, when he came down the aisle for the TLC match with Dean Ambrose at TLC, obviously he didn't have the belt, it was hanging above the ring, and it looked odd. <laughs> it looked odd. It, it, didn't, it did not look right without that WWE title, and that's the, that's the best compliment I can give him. Um, in year one it's another topic for another day because we we started to have this again offline talking about champions and i made a point where um i voted for charlotte as my wwe female of the year um and one of the reasons is because i find i think she's just a champion and there are some people that embody champions and i mentioned nick botwinkle i mentioned bret hart 
Um, I mentioned her dad, Ric Flair, obviously, and one or two others. And I think AJ started to do that. I think he started to feel like a champion. They're not just wrestlers. Because yeah. I never felt like The Rock felt like a champion or, or Shawn Michaels or a few others. And that's I think they're two of the greatest of all time. That's not a knock on them. But some people don't know Kurt Angle, another one. I don't feel they always needed a title belt. Some people just seemed better with a title. And Brett was one of them. And if you haven't seen any, Nick Bockwinkle is one of my favourite wrestlers that was from an era outside of mine. I'm, I'm not I'm not old enough to have watched his stuff, but I've watched so much old stuff of his on the network. And oh my goodness, how good was that guy? And you can see so much influence in, in some modern wrestlers that have obviously studied him and learnt from him or from others through him. He was terrific, but he was just a, every inch a champion. Harley Race, another one, a champion that just had something about them. And I think Charlotte's got that, and I certainly think AJ's got that now. And I agree with you about his TNA days. I, I was a bigger fan of his than you, than you were, but I thought he needed an opponent. I thought he needed to be working with Samoa Joe or Kurt Angle. Or I loved him when he was part of Fortune. I thought it was a really cool group when Fortune were a, a face group, when it was him um daniels kaz and oh who else would it have been it was, was it, um storm and um, oh um, it yeah it was before beer uh, money it was beer it money was, beer, it? It was it was styles beer money and kazarian that's what it was yeah 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 um yeah that was just that was a fabulous group i thought they were this really really cool and um i i really like them as a group but it's not a it's not a tna from 2010 podcast it's a wwe royal rumble one and i just mentioned charlotte and i just mentioned her dad and we're going to just segue on because I want you to tell this story. <laughs> I forgot to do this last time. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you all that we're not going to necessarily get into too much talk about ourselves. But we will from time to time because I think it'll be nice um, to be able to share some of the, the, the experiences that we've had. And one of them, I'm going to set the scene and I'm going to let Paul finish the story. But it is the um, Wembley Arena. It's a Saturday. The, uh, the show is that night in the, in the, it's for the TNA tour. I think it's around about, I think it's 2011, I think it was. Um, and there we are in the uh, in the Wembley Arena. It's probably, I don't know, four o'clock in the afternoon, something like that. I think there may yeah. have been a, uh, a gut check or one of those sort of seminar things going on. And we're at the building and I'm stood with Paul and we're having a chat about uh, how the week's been and so forth. And someone approaches Paul to ask him something. Who was it? <laughs> who, who was it? Okay, first of all, I'll say if you if you're self indulgence alert and feel free to fast forward this podcast by about no, two no, minutes. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's a good anyway, story. so set the stage. I'm in Paris for TNA um, the week. Yeah, I think it was the Friday or the Thursday night, maybe the week before, whatever it was. And I'm sat in catering backstage, having done all my glad handing with the TV partners and whatnot, um, and. I'm sat there all by myself, playing on my phone, doing some emails. Someone comes and sits next to me with a couple of beers. Ric Flair. Ric Flair, who remembered me from the press tour the previous June that we talked about last time. And we sat, I'm not kidding, it was just after the interval for an hour and a half, chatting wrestling. Just talking about everything, you know, from his experiences to what I liked. Just the best hour and a half conversation about wrestling I've ever had in my life one-on-one with Ric Flair, sat there drinking beers and chewing the fat. Incredible. Anyway, fast forward back to Wembley, and I'm stood there with Rob uh, ringside, and uh, Rick approaches me. He goes, Paul, Paul, there's something wrong with my phone. I can't call out. I'm like, uh, okay, 
now I'm not a phone guy, I'm not a tech guy, but you don't turn down a request from Rick to look at his phone when he Ooh. when he asks you to. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And he says, uh, he says, try and call me, try and call me on your phone. I'm like, uh, okay, Rick, okay. So I was like, what's your number? So he put it in my phone. And I jokingly goes, oh, should I save that? He goes, you bet, man, you save that number, you save it. So I saved the number. And Rob, at this time, I don't mind saying, he's sat there. Would it be fair to say you were jaw on the floor, mate? I wouldn't say jaw on the floor because your showbiz Paul <laughs> Benson and these kind of things happen to you. But I'll finish the story, then I'll, I'll react. Well, so basically, um, yeah, I'm looking like King King Dong um, because me and Ric Flair are chatting about broken phones. Um, unfortunately, the, the postscript of stories, I then had Ric Flair's number, um, which I thought was the coolest thing. Ten-year-old me thought it was the coolest thing of all time. Very restrained, didn't do anything with it for about six months. But then clearly, because I'm an idiot, um, started talking about it in a pub about six months later, and my daft old friends dared me to give the guy a call. So I did. Gave Ric Flair a call in the middle of the pub with my friends after a few drinks, probably mid-afternoon Charlotte time. Had a good old chat with Rick. Talk, asked him to sign me a T-shirt. Managed to extricate myself from the conversation quite quickly, realising what a numpty I was being. Um, promptly deleted his number to resist the temptation of ever doing it again. And to this day, that's my biggest wrestling regret. that I did not stay in touch with Ric Flair when I had the opportunity. Well, what I will say is anyone that listens to the stories, from, if you think that's a good story, which, by the way, it's a great story. Um, we told loads more Ric Flair stories on the last podcast. If you haven't heard that one, we talk about the time where the first day Paul and I met was when we first met Ric Flair as well. So actually, you might have met him before that. But it was that was the, the first time we met. and We got some great Flair stories from that weekend or from that couple of days. Um, but I wanted to, Paul to tell that, that phone story partly because I was I just remember just being so impressed by it. But it wasn't. It wasn't the fact that he chatted to you. It wasn't the fact that the phone and that. It's the fact that he knew your name. Because <laughs> I have been around so many wrestlers so many times, and not only do they forget my name all the time, but they forget other people's names. And I don't blame them because they're stars and they meet lots and lots and lots of people that aren't very important. And I include myself in that list. I'm not important to any of these people, so they don't remember me. And I'm not. You know, my ego isn't bruised by that because I because I'm I'm low down the ladder. I don't expect for them to remember me. Now I know it was only a few days beforehand that you'd seen him, but you had, you know, he'd remembered you from a previous time as well. I think it was the May or the June before, wasn't it, when we first yeah. met him? So it was yeah, about that's right. six or seven months later that uh, you're there talking to him and he's remembered you. But I think it was the same tour that only I was in Glasgow, and I was in the hotel um, after the show, and I forget who I was talking to. I was I think I, you know doesn't totally ring ring any bells with who, who i was sat with and chatting to but it was a couple of the, the wrestlers and uh rick came in and was having a few drinks and stuff and my cousin came to pick me up and he's a uh lives in glasgow and he's a big wrestling fan and i basically tried to get i think he got a couple of signatures from some hardy boys or something while he was waiting for me and then um he said oh is that rick flair and i went oh i'll, I'll try and get you rick's autograph and i went wandered over to rick um and I think, I don't know, I think he thought, I don't know who he thought I was, but basically he didn't tell me to go to hell, but he just went, nope, and he disappeared. Um, and now some would go, oh, that's rude, and tell stories on the internet. I will tell you that Rick spent ages and ages that night chatting to people and signing things. I think he just got fed up. Maybe, maybe he remembered that I was a journalist and thought I was going to come and doorstep him. I don't know. But um, essentially Rick didn't remember me then, and I didn't get an autograph from my cousin. But um, I didn't want to bring anyone down with that story, but that's just the way it is. But... Um, I never have a problem with wrestlers doing that because I just think you don't understand their lives and what they have to go through and, and whatever. And the cool thing that we get to experience or have got to experience 
it's kind of seeing the real them with the, you know, with the curtain down that they don't always have to be on because a lot of the time it's an interview and they realize that they're, they're projecting a certain image, whether it's a mm. written interview or a podcast or TV or whatever. But when you're just knocking around, you know, in the venue and they come over and talk to you and he just was so it might as you could have been his grandson at that point or his, <laughs> or, his, or, his, or his son maybe but you know and he came over and just said hey Paul can you sort this it was it was no you know excuse me mate or what well not mate but excuse me pal or whatever but he just went Paul can you help me with this and I was, I was that's what I was impressed with that he treated you on a good level because you'd obviously not been a dick a couple of days beforehand because he just wouldn't have talked to you he just wouldn't have no. bothered and no, to, no, no. to a similar token, I'm fairly certain it was the same one. It might have been the following year. I remember being sat watching. If you don't know what gut check is, what the TNA would do sometimes is get a load of hopefuls that would apply and come to a um, a training session, essentially, that D'Lo Brown used to run. And um, occasionally they would pick someone out of that. It then became a feature on, on the TV show, which I thought was terrible. But um, what they first did with it was have it you know, in the venue when they were doing a, a show in that area. And I used to, I've, I've seen it live a couple of times. I've, I've watched it in Nottingham. Um, and I was certainly there in the in London one day watching them go through their paces and um, Ken Anderson came over and sat with me and said to me, you know, what did I think? And, you know, was anyone I was impressed with and, you know, chatted to me about the week. Now, I'd, I'd interviewed him a couple of days before in, in Manchester um, and I'd met him a couple of times before that, but I thought it was pretty cool that he made a, he didn't have to, he wasn't, he wasn't walking past me. He made a little diversion to come and sit with me and it was no more than a five minute conversation, but, I just remember thinking that was a pretty cool thing to do because he didn't have to do it. And it's really, really easy for us when we're working around wrestlers and whatever to, to start thinking we're someone because a few people follow us on Twitter and listen to our podcasts and, and do whatever. But we're so far down the pecking order. And that's not me being self-deprecating. We really are. But no, you, you watch some really. people, they meet a wrestler twice and suddenly they're tweeting them all the time and it's like yeah he's my mate and i listen to other ones and they go oh a friend of the show and it's like it's not a friend of the show you interviewed him once he wouldn't know you he wouldn't <laughs> have a clue who you were and so if we talk about friends of the show on this it's it's our mates it's like legitimately our mates not you know hey friend of the show chris jericho it's like i've worked with chris a couple of times he might remember me probably wouldn't um he's not a friend of the show but the reason i wanted paul to tell that story was was the human side of things and those are the experiences that we've got to get, you know, over the years, which have been been pretty cool. And you have my permission to ask me a story next time. But we've uh, done. Um, we've been too self-indulgent on this topic. Let's have a little quick discussion on where we sit right now. We're coming into the Rumble. It's now exactly four weeks um, from the point where you and I are talking tonight. We talked last time about some potential winners, and I think one of the uh, the people that you put up is now not really a potential winner anymore. I was, uh, yeah, I was pretty adamant that Cena was going to be the winner. Well, <laughs> adamant may be the wrong word, but he would have been the guy I'd have put my money on this time two weeks ago. Um, not a factor anymore, seemingly. So things change quite quickly, don't they? Well, I suppose in wrestling, there's always that, there's the potential that that could be the first match of the night and, uh, and whoever loses it could still I, the I, rumble, but I just don't see that. No, I don't either. Instance. I'm just throwing up the, uh, when there's no chance, you know, there's always there's always a way that they can work it. Just being in a match early on in the show does not preclude them from winning. But I take the point. I think it's very, very unlikely that they would put Cena in a match with Styles, have him lose and then come out and win the Rumble. Unless it was some convoluted, you know, Cena can't beat him, but he wins the Rumble and then promises to beat him at Mania. I don't know, but I doubt it. I think it's a a, a fewer than 2% chance. So if Cena's out of the equation, 
could he beat Styles? And could Cena be someone that has a belt going into Mania? And does that open the main, the Rumble field to a couple of other people? Uh, in a word, yes. Um, the beauty of that match, from an unpredictability standpoint, is I am, am I remain pretty convinced that you're going to see Cena Undertaker at WrestleMania this year. It was meant to be on the cards last year, from what I understand, before the Cena injury, and I think it's 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 got to be a lock this year. So the only question is, do they do that with the title or without? So with the titles, quite straightforward. Cena wins, Taker gets the shot, possibly by winning the Rumble. Um, or, the other way, AJ wins the t- wins the Rumble and then gets a, f- a fresh new challenger at WrestleMania and you can do Cena, Taker with no title involved or other stipulations or whatever. It re- it's smart booking. It bring- it- it- you're going to get a guaranteed great match at the Rumble and it opens up plenty of possibilities. It's hard for Cena to lose this match. I mean, they could, they could just, they could have another AJ, um, you know, schmoz finish and find out a reason why someone, you know, interferes on his behalf or, or something like that. But um, there is a way, you know, there's, it's, I think it's difficult for Cena to lose this match with his comeback with fanfare. Smackdown's just posted quite a decent number on his return. You know, he's clearly going to be a centerpiece going through WrestleMania season again. If he loses, straightforward, clean, you're almost killing Cena off. Um, Agreed. Uh, you're a UFC guy. How is Ronda Rousey's stock right now, having just lost the second match straight? Yeah, what stock? Um, you know, she's through the floor. And it's a great analogy. You're absolutely right. Because there was no controversy. She got knocked out in 48 seconds. Um, the, the, the veil has been lifted on Ronda Rousey. And you're dead right. If they just have seen lose clean for the second time to AJ, no grounds for a rematch, no grounds for sort of mitigating circumstances. He is not the best anymore. Simple as. There's only one way out of it. I can see unless he wins is that someone else costs him, not someone helping AJ, but someone costing Cena. So let's say they were going to do a Cena versus, I don't know, Ambrose, right? Mm. They might go down. They might go down a heel, heel Ambrose route, and he comes maybe to ostensibly get revenge on AJ, and actually ends up costing Cena. And so we do Cena Ambrose. They could do something like that, but I'm with you. I think it's, I think it's Cena Taker, and I am increasingly coming to the conclusion that Cena wins and Taker wins the Rumble. I, I just think there's a, there's a now the beauty, I suppose, if you want to call it that, of doing two world champions is that the winner of the Rumble can challenge the other guy. So let's say we go with the uh, the oft-cited theory that Finn Balor comes back and wins the Rumble. Then Balor can challenge Kevin Owens. Or whoever wins the Rumble can challenge the Raw guy, the Universal Champion. And that even if Cena beats AJ, we'll then work out who Cena's challenge is going to be. And maybe it's just as simple as, oh, look, who's the GM over on SmackDown? Who gets to appoint someone? Maybe it's Shane McMahon going... Undertaker kicked my ass last year. He's going to kick your ass this year, John Cena, or something like that. I don't know. But there's a way of getting to that without using the Rumble. So I don't say it's a lock that Undertaker wins, but if Cena gets a 1-2-3 over AJ, which I would go with right now, I'm not saying I would book it, but I'm saying I would guess at it, I think the chances of Undertaker winning the Rumble, or even just appearing in the Rumble, exponentially go up. Yeah, agreed. And, and I, I agree with everything you said, actually. I think Cena wins, um, better or worse. I think there's arguments either way, so that's a good thing, but I think Cena will. I do peg Undertaker as the favourite for the Rumble on that basis. A, because it sets up the marquee match in the strongest way possible. B, we're in Texas. Um, you know, that's his stomping ground. And, the uh, you know, you look at 
what AJ does then. And to me, it's a really simple move, non-title match, a cross-brand against a guy you mentioned not a couple of minutes ago, Finn Balor. It's, I mean, it's possible. There's, um, there's all sorts of connotations with that going back on the, uh, um, sort of the Bullet Club links and, and all that sort of thing. It would work. It would work. That is the beauty of where AJ is right now: is that you could plug him into a lot of different matches. Um, yeah. I'm still not. We talked about it last time. I'm still not ruling out some sort of Samoa Joe AJ thing. Um, that could happen. An AJ Nakamura thing that could happen. Um, I think there's lots of ways you can go with AJ Styles, um, and so it might be one of the reasons that they come off him with the title so that they can plug him into something else. He's a good utility player. I'll tell you a quick story from um, from the world of horse racing. Is that there's a trainer called Willie Mullins, and um, the trains in Ireland, and he's got an owner called Rich Ritchie, who um, not Richie Rich, Rich Ritchie, um, and Richie's colours are uh, the pink silks that you may have seen lots of good horses wear. Um, when it comes to the Cheltenham Festival, which is the big horse racing event on the Jumps calendar in March, just before the Rumble, uh, just before WrestleMania, um, they have a little bit of a thing where they try and work out which of the Richie horses is going to go into which race because they're over different conditions, over different distances. And it's a shame because you don't always get to see them race against each other because they're good horses. But what they do do is try and plot their way around. But they've usually got one or two that they hold back. And there is a horse called Vroom Vroom Mag, which is good over short or long distances, over small or big obstacles, and they hold it back. And then when something goes down and is injured, they plug in Vroom Vroom and it goes and runs in that race because it's quite versatile. That's a weird way of getting to AJ Styles is that sort of competitor that you could hold him back as far as WrestleMania goes Mm -hmm. and just say, okay, even if it gets near the time, if there's an injury, we can switch and we can go with that. If there's a a falling out, if there's a wellness failure, if there's a ratings dip, if Vince just changes his mind, we can easily plug AJ in. Now, I'm not saying you should do that. I think you take your bet. I've always said that, here's another sport analogy, football analogy. You look at your team and you look at who's your best player and you put him in the position that he's best at. And then you say, who's your second best player? And you put him in the position he's best at and then you work everything around that. And the same goes for WrestleMania to me. In the old days, you'd go, right, Undertaker is WrestleMania when he had the streak. Who's he against? Then you'd go, who's the biggest star? John Cena. Who's he against? And then everything else falls into place. I think right now, especially if you block Cena and Undertaker off together, I think you say, who's our biggest star? Who's our best performer? And I think it's AJ Styles. And I think you work out what's best for AJ at WrestleMania. Now, it's bold to be saying that he's the biggest draw to get tickets for WrestleMania sold. But in a network era where things are a little bit different and it's not necessarily about the pay-per-view rates and stuff, I think you can afford to go with your best wrestler, your best superstar. And right now, I think that's AJ. So if they've got something in plan, i.e. they know that they're going to go with Nakamura up onto the main roster and they're going to put him into something with AJ, then that's cool. it doesn't bother me in the slightest if AJ drops the belt. I would be really disappointed if Cena goes over AJ at the Rumble and AJ ends up in some six-man multi-match for the Intercontinental Championship or something, and you'd kind of feel that the last eight months have been a waste of time. Agreed. Yeah, and to be honest, I've got complete confidence that that's not going to happen. The guy's proved himself as an absolute cornerstone on SmackDown and for WWE this year. I think there will be some spots for marquee matches and Cena's, uh, sorry, AJ is unquestionably going to get one of them. Indeed. One more Rumble question while we're doing rumbly stuff. Mm. Give me, Paul, a mystery entrant. There's been lots over the years where you sit there and you watch the Rumble and suddenly someone arrives and yeah. it's, whoa. Now, you, we can't predict that. 
I think it's almost impossible by very, the very virtue of them being a surprise entrant. If you would say, ah, I bet so-and-so's a surprise entrant this year, well, by definition, that stops them being a surprise entrant. It's the same as a team being a potential banana skin in the FA Cup. Do you know what? If they're a potential banana skin, then you look to see if the banana skin is there. That stops being the analogy. A banana skin comes out of nowhere. You're not seeing it. So let's say if you were booking, not if you're predicting, if you were booking and you, it's a sensible one that someone could be free and it is a reasonable amount of money, you're picking up the phone and you're saying to someone, come and be a guest in the Royal Rumble. Where do you go? Okay. If we're talking reality-based and we're talking things that could actually happen. Yeah, something that could actually happen. Yeah. Not, not like Austin or Hogan. Or no, 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 of course. Can I give you three? Maybe three, because there's three very different facets that I look at. Pick one, um, pick one to begin with, and we'll come back. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so the first one I'm going with, um, I'm looking at NXT, and I think, okay, some, you know, it, it's fairly clear that someone's going to come up from NXT to the Rumble. Uh, you look at who that might be, um, and the prime candidate has to be Samoa Joe. You know, he's done his time down there for a couple of years. He isn't getting any younger and he could have so, you know, you mentioned Styles. Um, you know, you could also go John Cena with the history with um, their time in LA to start their careers. But there's umpteen opponents on that roster that you could have fantastic matches with and, and there isn't that much time left to have those matches. What a great way to debut him would be at the Rumble, in the Rumble. So, yeah, that's my first pick. Smojo. Are your other two picks both NXT wrestlers? No, they're not, mate. And I, I, that's the thing. I kind of went for three different aspects. But what? who would be yours? Give me well, one. Well, I, I have to say I wasn't thinking um, I wasn't thinking that sort of... Uh, so I, think, I think it's a given that someone will come up from NXT, whether they tell you in advance like they have done him before with Bo Dallas or, or Rusev, or whether it's a, a bit of a shocker um, that someone is getting... Prom- that's their evidence that they're getting promoted. I was thinking more like uh, when you've had someone like a honky-tonk man or a godfather or someone like that mm. appear out of nowhere. Do you know who I, I think would be just a really fun a fun one to do? Because I think he's, I, feel like, I feel like he's someone that got um, a bit of a bad rep at the time for not being very good. And I might have been one of the people that also said that he wasn't all that, all that much good. He has a, a bit of an insider term, at least on the internet, um, attached to him. And I feel like it's unfair watching some of his old stuff. Um, I've saw, seen how good Sean Waltman was. And my understanding mm. is that he's in reasonable shape. Um, he doesn't have to come in and be the, the 45-minute marathon man. But I'd love to see a five-minute X-Pac cameo in the Rumble. I think it would be good loads of fun. And I think, you know when you've got Road Dogg, who is effectively head of creative these days, and Triple H that's in the position that he's in, I think it's logical. I think it's the kind of thing he'd do. Um, I just think that would be a hell of a lot of fun. I just, I'd, I'd like to see that. I think, it, I think it's doable. I think it would make sense. I think it would be... I think that's the right kind of... I think, was it last year or the year before Godfather was a surprise entrant? Not for the mm. first time. It happened before... And he basically, they can't do the whole thing properly these days because of PG. So Godfather sort of ambled to the ring, got clotheslined out immediately, and I just thought, it was a total waste of a surprise entrant. And I, I, don't bother with that. Um, I've actually got a surprise entrant story, which would remind me of when we come to the end of this little uh, package. But <laughs> um, I think you probably know what it is. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what I, I would go with X-Park. He he's the one that sprung to my mind. But uh, I'm intrigued to hear what your other strands are. Okay, well, first one um, isn't actually a specific name as such, 
But um, next, what would it be? Two weeks today, WWE mm-hmm. are going to be crowning a brand new champion, a United Kingdom champion. Um, and if rumours are to be, to be believed, this is could potentially be more than a one weekend thing. This could be something that becomes maybe a UK offshoot of the WWE, and they need to make stars. I don't think. Those... Can I just cut in and say I don't think that's even rumours. I'm. I don't think it's booked in as being a definite thing. But they've said themselves, haven't they? W- yeah, w- yeah. W- sorry, w- so it's what they want to do, but it depends on the success of. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But they need stars, and and best of respect to the eighteen guys they've picked for that sixteen man tournament because they've got sixteen plus a couple of alternates. They're not well known stars, you know. A couple of them are well known in the UK. Frankly, a few of them I've never heard of, mm-hmm. um, and I like to think I I kind of know what I'm talking about. Talk, take it worldwide, and and they will be completely unknown. And they want to, if they want to put this product on the network, what better way to give their first ever UK champion a bit of credibility internationally than put him in the Royal Rumble? Agreed entirely. Uh, if they do that, they need to have him do okay. I think that's the key: is that one Definitely. of the one of the surprise entrant spots is to come in, have your entrance, wave a little bit, throw a couple of token moves. And then get slung. I mean, I think Diesel is a is a classic. Um, when he came back as Diesel again, I think he did another one. He was Nash about two years later. Mm, yeah. You sort of thought, what's the point of that? But when he was Diesel, and and came out in the old gear to the old music with his hair dyed black, it was a really cool entrant, and it just it worked of its time. And that to me is what the the surprise entrant is. Um, is that sort of uh, that sort of one? But I love the idea of putting the. The UK. I, I, I actually feel that you've come up with two good ideas that don't fill the criterion that we're talking about. So, <laughs> all right, let me give you a third. Let's do the third one. One name, very simply, um, a guy that was pegged to come back to WWE earlier in the year didn't work out because of injury. Ah, I know you can say the gold standard, Shelton Benjamin. That's a great shout. That's a great shout. I like that one. And that's a. Is he fit now? Because I mean, he got injured, didn't he? That's why he didn't I'm... come back. I think the time frame works. You know, I'm not sure. I've not heard anything, but it seems to work. You know, it was what? It was five, six months ago that he was out. Um, so it kind of is. And he, he's got that rumble pedigree. He was the proto Kofi Kingston, wasn't he? He'd be doing all those crazy non-eliminations and whatnot. So I just think he'd be a great shout. Most definitely. I think there's a whole bunch that could fall into that sort of uh, envelope from that sort of era. I mean, someone else that did those sort of stunts. Because, um, you know, Benjamin... State was it Benjamin? That st- oh no, you're right. Kofi did. Oh no, it was John Morrison. That's who I was going to say. John Morrison did that kind of get knocked out of the rumble, but somehow cling on um, and stay in, didn't he? And then yeah, Kofi started doing those mad walking on his hands and pogoing on chairs and took it way too far and whatever yeah. it was. But I, I think was Morrison the one that got knocked onto the onto the ringside uh, surrounds at the barrier. Yeah, didn't he go onto the ground and then spring himself back then onto the apron? Yeah, onto the apron. So, you know, there's a little bit of history with someone like him for Rumble elimination. So he could be well, another he, one to chuck. He's, he's under contract, from what I understand, to Lucha Underground. Oh, is he Lucha Underground? Yeah. Okay, but you're, there are tons, like you say, guys from that era that could come back. Carlito um, is a possibility. You look at that sort of dead period in 2006 where they had such a decent swell of talent that never really caught on and are now pretty much free agents you got mvp you mentioned him earlier mr anderson um these are all guys that are available and not really doing much what about guys from tna yeah we're not privy on the contract situation for tna anymore but is matt hardy available 
Oh man, I just think that's. <laughs> I mean, Could he come and delete a few guys from the Royal Rumble. I, I just, they surely must have people like that tied up. I mean, I know it's TNA and there's anything's possible, who but who knows? I will say again, without going into too much detail, Matt was Matt was my choice for the non WWE wrestler of the year that we we gave to Kenny Omega, um, and I don't even like the delete stuff. I not my thing at all, not a fan. But you can't look past someone like him in terms of the impact he's had over a year in reinventing himself, coming up with something that people are into that's different, creative, unique. You know, like I say, not my thing. But then, you know, there's lots of Nirvana aren't my thing, but you can't de- deny they were one of the biggest bands of the 1990s. So, um, you know, just because something's not your thing doesn't mean it's not, you know, good and credible. So of course. Um, I put Matt in that kind of bracket. Yeah, there are there are some people. It wouldn't shock me if WWE say to someone, come and come and be in the Rumble and screw your TNA contract because they won't do anything about it. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't shock me greatly. Mm, that, that will not happen. There's no way WWE would not let that happen. But what about someone like, and I know this probably comes around every year, but Kurt Angle? again if you're going to do someone I mean that would be one of my problems is with someone like that coming in is that I sort of feel like they've got to win it yes and no and to be honest I'm, I'm kind of going to argue myself a little bit here any other year I'd say maybe maybe that's possible but you've got Brock and Goldberg mm. in there this time and I feel that angle would kind of get lost in that shuffle there he's probably too big to come in if anything if that makes sense I agree um Let's come back in a future podcast and you can ask me my angle theory because I've got a hell of a way of how you would bring back Kurt and, and book him in future pay-per-views. Well, we'll come back to that, but tell me your surprise entrance story. Oh, yeah, the surprise entrance story. Well, um, I think I can tell this. You, you, if you tell me afterwards that I can't, then I'll, I'll edit it out. But um, <laughs> we got, um, we were going to, I'll tell you what, I'll start to tell the story and if you tell me I can't say the name, I won't say the name. But we had someone that was going to make a surprise appearance at our Raw Rumble party last year in London. Did we not? We did. Feel free. Feel okay. free. Well, I can, okay, I can say this. So we, at one point, um, were going to have someone, either we were going to advertise quite late on, or we were going to have them sort of show up on the night. And we've had a couple of people that have come to our um, Rumble parties and, and, you know, kind of stay on the down low. Quite a lot of British wrestlers have, have been to our um, Rumble parties. Um, or, I keep saying Rumble parties, but pay-per-view parties. Mm. Um, um, uh, uh, Kat, who was um, Katie Lee Birchall and who was Winter in, in TNA, um, uh, has been to at least one or two, and uh, so other other British stars. Well, we had one. We did a little set piece on the first one that we had at Walkabout Temple, where we had Jeff Jarrett up on the video wall. Um, so we've we've done a couple of things with uh, some actual wrestlers at the shows, but we were going to have one show up on the night and do a little bit with us and almost like a little guest hosty thing. And we had some things that we had in mind. Anyway, that person pulled out reasonably late on because we were essentially told keep it quiet but they're going to be a surprise entrant in the rumble um and so we kept it quiet well i did anyway up until <laughs> up until the night and then during the rumble i started tweeting one or two things about my predictions for the rumble and i was sort of you know not very subtly chucking in the word head and the word snow and so <laughs> forth because Al Snow was going to be at our Rumble party and we got told Al Snow was going to be in the Rumble and we sort of sat there going, well, you wait till you see he's going to be a surprise entrant. And then much to our surprise, uh, he wasn't. Um, (laughs) So we don't still totally know what happened there. Uh, Well, I don't anyway, you may. And uh, I I, I want to stress that that is not an Al Snow lets people down story because it isn't. I've actually never met Al Snow, 
but um, I've been around lots of people who have. I've actually been around him, but never met him properly. But almost everyone I know that meets Al says he's a really good guy and um, speaks up for him. So uh, that is not a Rob Berry's Al Snow. Oh yeah, absolutely. There must have been something more to it, and 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 he was doing that as a favour. You know, it was never a paid book. Oh yeah, we weren't like paid. That. It yeah. was a favour. Um, so you know, what, whether he was on standby or had better other commitments he needed to attend to, or we just got given a bit of misinformation, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, the point that Rob's making is that we were all we were all smug, weren't we, Rob? Sitting there thinking, we know, we mm. know, <laughs> egg on our face. And we actually genuinely didn't tell anyone. Like I said, I started to tweet at sort of like one in the morning that I sort of hinting that I knew who it was. But I thought by that point, even even if I'm betraying something, I didn't think I was being that horrible about it. Um, and then it never actually happened. But I'll, I've never thought about it until now. I just I wonder whether we were being tested, Paul. I wonder, I wonder if anyone was seeing whether that would get out into the into the public domain and we were the only people that they told and if that became a rumour that they knew that we were leaking it. But uh, anyway, that was my wasn't quite a surprise entrant story but uh, we'll see so if he, I bet he's in it this year now I bet bloody <laughs> Al Snow shows up as a mystery entrant this year and uh, as um, long as he comes in with Steve Blackman I'm all in oh that's a good shout I love that I've just uh, part, where I've just got up to on the uh, on my 1999 trawl through the uh, through the archives is that Blackman's just turned heel on, on Ken Shamrock and I had no recollection of it whatsoever so uh, it's one of the good things about getting older is that you forget things and you can watch them from 18 years ago in an entirely, entirely new perspective because I'm, I'm now starting to lose my mind, <laughs> as indeed is, uh, is Al. But um, let's um, kind of end in our beginning, as it were, is that we, uh, we started to talk about um, Sherlock earlier on, that we were both big fans of the show and we watched it tonight. And again, we're not going to spoil anything, don't worry. But something occurred to me when I was watching it is that if I had to give, let's say, a, a rating, a wrestling rating style, um, you know, summation of, of tonight's show, I'd maybe give it three to three and a half stars, three and three quarters pushing it maybe, because I enjoyed it, I liked it, it's better than most TV shows that I've seen, and I am a huge fan of Sherlock, I've seen every episode many times, I love it the bits, um, but I wasn't overwhelmed by tonight's show, I thought it was okay in parts, I thought it was frustrated with other parts, me and Paul have discussed one or two things that we would have, you know, liked to have seen more of. But I have, well, no, actually, i tell you what, you, you say what you said, because you said it to me on the phone just before we started recording, was that I said, you know, that it wasn't necessarily the best I've ever seen. And you told me. I just thought it was disjointed. No, I no, thought... no, no. I mean, what you told me about like, how you were reassuring me. Oh, right. OK, well, I said it might not be the best you've ever seen, um, but. Sherlock always delivers. Always delivers in the end. Is that right? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, that's exactly. Forgive my forgive my ignorance if we're not. But yeah, I it's one of the few TV shows that I if, if there's a subpar or slightly less good episode than than that than the high bar they set, I will always have faith. The um the second episode of the third series, um which was the one set at the wedding, um there was plenty of people that sort of criticised it for being. Um, you know, too jokey and too flippant and, you know, not up to standard. But actually, because the third one was so dark, you know, and was, went down such a different um, road, the contrast actually worked really nicely. And you could see why, you know, they had to build up, you know, your belief in Sherlock caring so much about John and Mary and protecting them. And, you know, that then changed your, your perspective in the third episode of the third series. So there are reasons 
why these things happen. And what I said to Paul after he'd said, you know, Sherlock always delivers, hang in there. And I said, well, actually, it's the kind of thing that I would relate to WWE in the sense that there are times when you have a storyline and it's hard to invest, you know, emotionally because they change their mind so often. Like something I think of is the um, Shawn Michaels, you know, costing Daniel Bryan the title. And, and I've heard from, you know, directly from Shawn that there was never any storyline there it was never going to be a wrestlemania build it was just they wanted an out for the match and that's how they did it and it was even it was you know even sean had to suggest on that they did something on raw where brian put him in a submission hold to, to get some heat back because they weren't even going to bother with that and those things i think sometimes are a bit dispiriting because you sort of think oh you want to believe that there's a a long you know storyline thing going on i remember i'd never watched lost and i remember the first series of lost being heralded as such a great show and before the second series i read an interview with one of the writers and they said yeah we don't really know um what the end game is and we don't know what the symbols mean and what the numbers mean we just will we'll get there at some point and i i know it's all fiction but i sort of it sort of lost me a bit that they, that they were going to work out the ending rather than having a a long narrative you know arc that was going to get there and i sort of felt that sometimes with, with things in wwe except that at this time of year they tend to get it right not always. People are already sitting there going, oh, yeah, but what about the time? And maybe even that, that Daniel Bryan Sean thing was at this time of year, I don't remember. But I have faith in WWE in WrestleMania season. You know, I don't know if we are, we, I don't know if we are yet on the road to WrestleMania. I don't know whether we are in a, on the slip road pulling onto the road to WrestleMania or whether we were just <laughs> at the moment sat in the car with a de-icer on, with the, the, the blowers <laughs> on heavy and just waiting for that goddamn mist to go off the front of our car and just we're just playing with the sat nav i don't know where we are on that road at the moment but at this time of year they tend to get it right and they tend to have a plan okay we've heard lesbian times in the past where they change it quite frequently but i reckon they've got a mania plan right now i almost certainly think that that won't be what we end up with but i think if they've got a plan for cena undertaker if they've got a plan for aj nakamura if they've got a plan for a four corners match between Shawn michaels steve austin hulk hogan and gilberg that they'll work out a way of getting there um brock and goldberg almost certainly has a plan um and so even if there's a, a you know goldberg's on draw this week right yeah yeah so if goldberg's yeah, on draw right. this week and it's really disappointing and it looks like he's going to end up in a you know in a in a two week you know thing with i don't know the returning blue meanie then, you know, people will go, oh, but actually, you sort of feel like, yeah, that might happen, but then Brock will do this, and, you know, then there'll be a way of coming out of it. So, not every chapter in a book is, is gold. Sometimes it's all about the end game. And getting back to Sherlock, Paul says, have faith in Sherlock, because it's always delivered. And do you know what? He's right. This is the 11th episode. The other 10 have almost all been stellar. One or two have been a bit lower, but then you can't mm -hmm. hit the gold all the time. And almost always the third episode of a series, because always something. If you don't watch the show, this is boring the ass off of you. But um, the third episode of the of the series is always the series finale. They do it in three ninety-minute episodes, and that's always been the show. Oh. So that's WrestleMania. WrestleMania, and WrestleMania doesn't always deliver, as you can attest to last year, but it often does. And the road there is sometimes as good as the the destination. So we are having faith, is what we're saying, aren't we? We are we are putting our faith in Vince and WWE to pull through because. On balance, they usually do. 
Yeah, uh, you know, we'll, if we didn't have that faith at this time of year, we wouldn't really be fans. Every fan should be excited right about now because, and we touched on it last time about how there's so many possibilities right now, so many possibilities for the Rumble, so many possibilities for Mania, and yeah, they're not all going to get fulfilled. Nobody's going to get their Dream Mania card because we were our Dream Mania cards are also different, but there are such a good number of decent building blocks in place this year that are realistic. I remember this time last year, well, maybe not this time last year, but maybe nine months before Mania, thinking, oh, we're going to get Steve Austin. Wow, we're going to get Shawn Michaels. It, we're going to get CM Punk. Lada, yada, yada. Um, and obviously wholly disappointed. But looking back, they were pipe dreams. They were unrealistic expectations. This time... The building blocks are in place for having some fantastic matches, some great, fresh feuds, starting now, starting at the Rumble, whatever, leading into Mania. And and it's not a stretch at all. There's so much potential in this WrestleMania, so much. There really is. And um, sometimes that's a worry because you can actually start to... uh build up things in your mind and actually what ends up happening is not as good as what you came up with or at least at least to you but um that is not wwe's fault if your expectations get uh, wildly ahead of yourselves but it is a, a good uh, i always think it's a good time this is where the time of year when my it's sort of energies get you know reinvigorated i always find getting towards you know i love the rumble and then it's up coming up to main here and it's uh, we get involved with our parties and all those kind of things um if sherlock was a wrestler which one would he be Oh my word, mate! You're putting me on the spot there, somewhat. I know. If if Sherlock was a wrestler, he would be. Uh, oh man! Do you know? Uh, who, do you know who I'm going to go with while you're go thinking? Go on, Rob. Shawn Michaels. Why do you say that? Because I always felt that Michaels just had something that you thought he'll always get there in the end. The way he was booked to be resilient, he was booked to be better than other people. You couldn't hate him even if... Because Sherlock, in many ways, is a heel. He's a, he's, a, he's a prick. Yeah, yeah. He's hard to like. He's a high-functioning sociopath, as he calls himself. But at the end of the day, he wins. He doesn't do the job very often. He comes through, and there's something about him you can't help but like. So I think there's quite a lot of Shawn Michaels. There's a little bit of current Kevin Owens. About, well, about Kevin Owens was a guy I nearly went with, but I'm going to dig deep, actually. Now, I've had a few seconds to think about it. Thank you for the time. Jake the Snake Roberts. Ah, oh, but then Jake was Jake was evil, though. Uh, not always. Jake wanted to not be evil, always. and you always felt that. I think Jake's a better Moriarty. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. Jake was only evil in sort of the, the real back end of his run there. For a lot of the time there, Jake was the cerebral guy who was that thinking man's wrestler who didn't have to raise his voice, who was a killer, but was a face. See, I always felt that he had the... Even when he was a face... You saw, see, Moriarty's a heel in Sherlock, but you kind of like Moriarty, even though he's a heel. You don't want him to win, but you kind of like him. And I think there's a bit of Jake in that. Like Moriarty says to Sherlock... You're, the trouble is with you is you're on the side of the angels. And Jake would say the opposite. He'd say, never trust the snake. So I, I'd go the opposite <laughs> with that one. Um, but the reason I say this, and the reason I put this isn't just for, you know, I was fulfilling two things because we like wrestling and Sherlock, is I, I enjoy p- looking at the parallels between um, wrestling and, and TV and film. And I once had a chat on the, on the WrestleCast podcast with Mick Foley um, about a passage in one of his books where he talks about we're bringing up Al Snow again 
he talks about having a conversation with Al Snow about the Wizard of Oz. Is it the, yeah, the Wizard of Oz. Okay. And he, and he talks about who's the baby face in the Wizard of Oz. And actually, you can sort of go through it and go, well, um, Dorothy's the baby face. And you go, is she? But what she, all she's trying to do is get home having killed someone. <laughs> she winds up somewhere and she kills someone. No, it's not. I can't remember the exact analogy. Al via Mick tells it much better in the book, and indeed, go back and find that podcast if you like. But it talks about who's the baby face in that. Is it the. Actually, in many ways, it's the witch who all she's trying to do is get revenge for her murdered sister. And who can blame her? And it's, well, like, it's a great book. Have, have you seen Wicked, the musical? I have not. Paints that picture superbly. It's almost kind of. A, it kind of runs slightly before and slightly parallel to the Wizard of Oz and it basically turns the Wicked Witch of the West babyface. Oh, brilliant. Maybe they're, it, they're a big Vic Foley fan whoever wrote that. <laughs> well, fantastically done um, and it, it nails your point exactly because there are more than one there's more than one side to every babyface heel equation isn't there? I think that, do you know what, even the more I think about it do you know who Sherlock is? I've got, I've got it even better. Go on. It's The Rock. Right, okay. It's not Shawn Michaels. Sherlock is The Rock. Because The Rock is a wise-ass, smart mouth, doesn't like anyone else, won't accept Mick Foley as his friend. Do you know what? Oh, my God, that is exactly who it is. The Rock <laughs> is Sherlock. Awesome. It, Foley is Watson. And the Rock and Sock connection are Watson and Sherlock. Because Can you smell what Sherlock is cooking? I <laughs> oh, see, even now. It's itself, it writes Even now. <laughs> it's only a couple of letters away. But no, seriously, think about it. Because even when The Rock's a baby face, he was horrible to people. He didn't smile. He barely ever sucked up to the fans. I know he called himself the people's champ, but that was a heel thing when he was doing the people's champ. And it actually yeah, just carried over when he, when he turned. And all that time, Foley was trying to be his mate and The Rock wouldn't necessarily accept him. But ultimately, when Mick was in trouble, Rock helped him out. And Mick was the kind of downtrodden but honest... You know, you always stuck behind him. People always liked him. People didn't really want to boo Mick after he'd you know, done his interview with JR. There's a bit of John Watson in that. What I'm getting at is that there are two types of baby... Well, there's more than two, but there are two real types of baby face. One is that people wish they were someone like Sherlock. You actually kind of want to hate them because they're smart and they're rude and they're ignorant and they don't think about people's feeling. But you know what? They win all the time. And ultimately, you know their heart's in the right place. That's the rock. There are also baby faces like John Watson, who uh, a good, honest, hardworking, decent human being that just wants to get ahead in life. And ultimately, by Sherlock talking about how much he likes Watson, it puts Watson over as a baby face. So when he's in peril, you hate the heel that much more for it. Here's another thing. Moriarty's the cool heel. He's the ultimate bad guy that's got this web of deceit and lies and terrorism. But actually, he's kind of cool and he's kind of, you know, wise talking. You sort of like him. So and we're going so, Triple H there, are we? Maybe. Maybe that's more of an Owens, I don't know. Or maybe it's more maybe it's the NWO, that kind of that kind of heel that they're supposed to be the you know, you're supposed to hate them, but actually everyone really thinks they're kinda of cool because they make the baby faces look terrible. But then there's Charles Augustus Magnuson, who's the ba- who's the heel in the third in the third <laughs> one. And he, don't you just hate that guy? What a yeah. horrible, repulsive nasty piece of work that you want to see to get his comeuppance. Do you know who he is? He is last year's Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins was a magnificent heel last year when he was on the authority side because as much as you realise that he was a great worker, great wrestler, you know, had great matches just as 
Magnuson had great scenes in Sherlock. Oh, you hated him, didn't you? Didn't you want to oh, smash yes. his face in when he was doing those little Weasley promos? And it's like, I'm, and I obviously I'm getting myself into the into the spirit here because clearly I think Seth Rollins is an absolutely brilliant wrestler. And I've got a really good Seth Rollins story to tell in the future as well, sometime on this podcast. But um, there's my little whistle stop. I'm not going to try and start doing bloody Mrs. Hudson and start. <laughs> Mrs. Hudson. I think Mrs. Hudson is Lillian Garcia. No, I don't think that at all. Maybe that's one for the Facebook. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Actually, no, chuck this out though. We'll do this. Put something on Facebook tomorrow. Don't, and we'll, we'll wait until the podcast up we'll, around about that time. And we can say, <laughs> this is letting people into the booking meeting now. Um, <laughs> uh, we can say, here's why we think Sherlock is the rock. And we'll expect, I'll write it for you. And we'll put it out there and we'll say that. And now do some other TV character equals wrestler things. We can do that. There's a, you are listening into a live meeting here, by the way, everyone. Um, so we're going to be doing that on Facebook. Please join in. We'd love to hear some things that, uh, there that you've got to say. Also, in the spirit of um, joining in, I'm not going to do it all over again. You can go back and listen to the first podcast. But we did a little quiz uh, in the first podcast. It was a very hard quiz, in fact, um, with three little uh, questions uh, for you to ponder, think about and get into in a Sherlock style, you know, really thinking deep and uh, weaving uh, some hidden meaning into things. Um, that's still open, that quiz, if you want to go back and listen to that podcast. Uh, the quiz questions are right near the end. Um, and the person that gets the most right, or someone that we get out of uh, the people that have got the most right, if there's a, if there's a tie, um, is going to win some tickets to a Royal Rumble party of their choosing. So go back and listen to um, to show one. There's no point in me going through it all again. But if you listen to number one, uh, then you can hear some uh, some devious quiz questions, which Paul would like me to point out are not as hard as the quiz questions that we do on the actual no, night. But harder, we, harder. They are much harder. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, the ones on the podcast are harder. The ones on the night are much more inclusive. And we've been starting to write it this week, haven't we? We've written some of the quiz this week. So we're, Correct. Uh, we're getting nice and on the ball for the end of January. Um, something which I am so looking forward to, Paul. Oh, likewise. You know, it's easy to say, but these three events we do are the highlights of my year in terms of uh, in terms of work and social interaction. Just, uh, I don't want to sound like a, a, I'm beating the same drum again, but what a night for wrestling fans. Yeah? Yep. Oh, what a night. As uh, as they played at the wedding between John Watson and Mary. Now, we're going to be overdoing this now. But not late December. <laughs> no, late, late January back in 17. <laughs> uh, but no, it's. Um, I think we are set for um, what looks at the moment like it's setting up to be a really good, really good card. So wherever you are in the world, perhaps you're somewhere where um, you can't get to one of our parties. Maybe you're overseas. Maybe you're in a part of the country where we've not visited. Um Please enjoy the Rumble and please continue to enjoy Hooked on Wrestling and our and our things that we have going on because we really want to be about more than just these live events. We hope that you can you know, be part of the family by joining in with us on social media and at some point in the future you'll be able to get along to one of our parties, whether we come to us or you come – sorry, whether we come to you or whether you come to us, um, we still, we'd still really love you to be part of everything uh, and to join in. We're trying to do a couple of little different things that's uh, our pay-per-view shows this year. Um, that you'll be able to see via our social media and not just uh, be there on the night. So um, we really hope that uh, everyone will be part of that. Paul, one last time, how can people get uh, get hold of the tickets? 
Okay, Rob. So two ways. Um, first one is ringsideworld.co.uk. Search for Hooked On. Um, you'll get the list of all six venues, which are London, Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester, Cardiff and Birmingham. Um, London being in Walkabout at Temple, the other five being Shooter Sports Bars. Um the alternative to that is if you are one of the non-London parties, you can call Shooter's booking line direct um, 0845 0 I got it right this time. Um, and you can purchase your tickets and reserve seating direct from them. Fantastic. You'll notice that I always throw to Paul to do that because partly because that's what he looks after and I don't. And partly because I always forget to make a note just before I come on here, and I know that if I start to go through them, I'll say .com instead of .co.uk, or I'll forget one of the venues or something like that. So Paul gets to do the boring admin uh, because I'm too late. <laughs> <laughs> that is essentially it. Um, that is pretty much all um, All we've got time for uh, for this podcast. Um, if you want to um, suggest anything that we can uh, talk about in the future, any specific um, Royal Rumble things that you want us to get into or any stories that you believe that me and Paul have got in our locker from our time working in wrestling media, you can contact us on your email address, Paul, which is... It's paul at hookedonevents.co.uk See, I actually I actually knew that one, but I just, for, for continuity's sake, wanted to make you say it. So paul at hookedonevents.co.uk um, You can get in touch with Paul and he will... Um, uh, filter um, the things that come in and we might have a little chat about some of your ideas in the future it could just be a one-off you could ask us a question what do you think of so-and-so did you enjoy Royal Rumble in this year who do you think is going to do this you know anything you like we'll have a chat with it if, uh, if we uh, if we see fit um, coming up in the weeks before that we get to the Royal Rumble we have some guests lined up we are going to have some uh, some of our friends from the wrestling media join us on future podcasts this will probably be the last two-handed just me and Paul show if you're just fed up of a uh, of our witless banter, then you're going to get some uh, some inane rubbish from someone else soon. Uh, no, that's not fair. We've got some really great um, guests coming up that are going to offer some different, unique perspectives um, and just you know change things up. And we'll, we'll talk about some of their favourite Rumble memories, their predictions, their stories, and other such things. Um, Hooked on are going to Blackpool, Paul? Are we not for the um, for the WWE UK event? We are indeed. Um... I'm going to be there both days. You're going to be there the Sunday, I believe. Hopefully. Um, so if anybody's around and about Blackpool, we're going to have a few, uh, quite a bit of free time on the day, um, but during the whole weekend. So just get in touch on social media. It'd be great to meet up with some guys, have a beer, bite to eat, maybe you know, chat about what's going on the weekend, whatever. Just just give us a shout. We're always around. Definitely. Yeah. We'll um, we'll, we'll we'll dip dip into the uh, hooked on wrestling kitty if you can. Uh... Come and show, show us that you'll tell us you've been to one of our shows before. We'll, uh, oh, steady we'll, on, Rob. We'll, steady we'll, on. Buy, we'll buy you a beer, a sort of <laughs> small shandy, non-alcoholic or something. Um, but yeah, um, but we're also, we intend to uh, to record a podcast from up there while we're there, if we've got some time, because um, some of our friends will be at that one. So we're going to try and uh, record some stuff from up there. And certainly afterwards, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a chat about... Uh, our experiences for that weekend and we um obviously it's already sold out the uh, the event sold out very very quickly but you can watch it on the wwe network and we hope you'll uh, um be supportive of that um and indeed we haven't got around to talking about it on this show but i'm uh, hopeful that uh, at some point in the next uh, podcast or two we'll have a quick chat about world of sport which was on itv um uh, i haven't seen it yet paul you were there at the recording weren't you and you watched it uh, on TV last night, but uh, I was indeed. We'll touch on that, like you say, in future. But what you know, what a positive move for UK wrestling overall. Definitely. Um, and any of these developments 
uh, on the whole are going to be good. And some people are saying it's a shame for British wrestling that uh, you know big conglomerates like ITV and WWE are taking over. On the contrary, it will cause some of our already very, very good indie promotions in this country to raise their game. The people that they'll be booking and using will be uh, reinforced because of the more um, exposure they'll be getting. More eyeballs on the product equals more people excited about the genre. It can only be good for British wrestling. What it might mean is that some of the rubbish promotions that don't do a very good job and uh, stitch people up uh, might go by the wayside. And the many, many, many more that are very, very good at what they do um, might get some more people coming to them, more bums on seats, more cash, more work for the people working. So I fail to see where there's a where there's a negative of any of this. I think it's going to be great. I haven't seen the World of Sports show yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. And uh, do you know what? Even if I don't like it, which I'm sure I will, but even if I don't like it, still a positive move because it's uh, great to be getting it out there so much. So yes, yeah, so that's uh, that's about all the time we've got them this week's Hooked On podcast. Me and Paul will be back with you hopefully. Uh, with some fun guests in the next couple of weeks talking more Rumble stuff. We've got more stories for you. We've also got to talk about some uh, actual matches on the Royal Rumble shows. We've talked a lot about the Rumble match itself, not so much about some of our favourite past matches uh, and other things on that sort of line. So keep firing in your questions, answer the questions from the quiz last time, and uh, make sure that you are on our Facebook and our Twitter, Hooked on Wrestling. Paul, what are they? Uh, well, we've got Facebook at HO Wrestling, um, and we've got Twitter at HO underscore Wrestling. Ah, oh, he's good, this boy, isn't he? So, yeah, come and join the conversation and uh, be part of this. Um, spread the word about the podcast. Uh, we're just on SoundCloud at the moment, but it has been submitted to iTunes. We'll hopefully be on there uh, shortly into the new year, uh, and then you'll be able to much more easily download us, subscribe to us, and spread the word out. So, um, from, uh, from me and from Paul Benson, it's uh, thank you for listening to Hooked On Podcast. And just remember, it's wrestling. Enjoy it. <laughs>